Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi. Oi. New York Congressman George Santos has been appointed to the Small Business and Science Committees in Congress as he continues to reject calls to resign. CBS 2's Jennifer McLogan tells us there's a new request for a federal probe. Claiming George Santos is a danger to our democracy and national security, Democratic Congressman Richie Torres and concerned citizens of the 3rd District met in Great Neck demanding a federal election commission investigation. Where did all the money come from? An NYPD officer is home from the hospital after getting shot on the job. And police are still searching for two suspects. Police say the bullet narrowly missed a vital artery, but the officer is expected to make a full recovery. We're told he and his partner were patrolling an area that's known for gun violence when they were caught in not one, but two shootings. We had to retrain cops as to why should you always shoot for deadly force? The fact is, if you need to use your weapon, you don't have to do that. This is a freak show. tell you that last night I had a very, 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 very good scallops. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what is that? Um, what is it called again? It's kind of like a pasta, but it's rice. It's delicious. Uh, Risot- risotto. Yes. Thank it's you, Lou Ruffino. It's great risotto. I had a beautiful scallops and risotto. You know, I came in again yesterday. I've done this now uh, both day this week. And I helped out uh, John Katsimatidis two days ago. John and Margot were in Pennsylvania hanging out with the governor. So I hosted the show with Janaya Butler and Rudy Washington. Last night, John was back. So it was me, John, Craig Eaton. The judge was on the phone and a bunch of great guests. And actually, at one point <laughs> yesterday, I was on three shows on this station. Enough of the Curtis Sliwa nonsense. Curtis uh, does a midday show and he's on weekends. I was on three primetime shows yesterday, hosting the number one show on this station, this one. Then I was on for about 15 minutes 
with Brian Kilmeade, 11.30 yesterday morning on hundreds of radio stations all over the country, Fox Radio, and then I came back and co-hosted with John. You heard the uh, the Brian Kilmeade stuff, Lou. You liked yes, that yesterday, Yes, huh? I liked it. I like you in a different setting. There's a right me, on the other side of the mic. <laughs> unlike unlike this show, <laughs> I can't believe it. I like O'Brien. Let's go. Want to know? Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I was in the other chair, and, and what's funny is I walked in to do the interview with Kilmeade, and walking out of the studio, our mutual friend Janice Dean. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She was she was excited that you were coming over. She was she great. Sounded, she's great on. She the, is she's great. Really good. Got a new book out, and she's doing very very well. She's still hammering away at Andrew and Chris Cuomo. Never going to stop. <laughs> never going to stop. <laughs> so she walks out of the studio, and they go to Brian. I go, "How do you think this would have gone?" And I showed him the picture of me and Chris Cuomo together on uh, Third Avenue oh from two weeks ago. Where I bumped into Chris in the street, and we uh, we exchanged a couple of pleasantries, and we took a picture. He's texted me twice since. That's been it. But I said, how would have this gone? He said, I'm glad you didn't show it. Oh, man. She would have been. Are you kidding? Her jacket would have been off. And she was like, are you kidding? What What are you thinking about? About, about. Because she's Canadian. Uh, she's Canadian, yeah. But she said some, oh, my God. There was things I never knew about during that whole uh, Oh, like episode. what? Give me an he, example. The, well, there's, they. She's, she had heard hearsay from the two brothers that what what are we going to do about this traffic B Word that's she. Is, oh, the bitch! Yeah, no, that's that was that was very public. Yes, yeah, that, they, they I mean, both I tried to not... destroy her. Yeah, they called her a bitch. So yeah. nasty! Oh my god, these well, guys. they're nasty guys. Yes, that's. I true. mean, you know, and people tend to like them that like them, but they could both be very nasty. Man, they should, people should check the trunks of their cars. I think, <laughs> yeah, some yeah. days. Wow. Yeah. So we did that, and then I, I uh, co-hosted with John. That was a lot of fun. In fact, I think I'm doing that all week long. I'll be back again today, and then. I believe after the show tonight, though John and Margot and me and Danielle are going to go for dinner, the four of us. And then um, I left the studios last night, and Gaby and Danielle were eight blocks away, literally on Third Avenue at Doc's, Doc's Seafood. And uh, they said, you want to come? I said, sure, I'm hungry. And so I met them. I walked eight blocks to 40th and 3rd, right by one of my New York sports club um, places. And we had dinner at Doc's. And I rocked the... Um, Scallops and risotto. There was, and I had a beet salad to start, which was so good. So now we've spent about a thousand dollars on food already, which the insurance company does not give you back. <laughs> Probably not. We're getting murdered here. I mean, yeah, the, the insurance company is picking up the hotel and the car, which is a big deal, and obviously the three hundred thousand dollars worth of home improvements. But uh, we don't have a kitchen. And Danielle's a wonderful cook. I mean, she's, she's not a good cook. She's a great cook. And she would come home from the office, the law firm, at 7 o'clock at night from Great Neck and cook almost every night. And we can't do that now. So we are spending a lot of money on food, especially in New York City. One thing, if you're eating on 116 or 129 in Rockaway or even Brooklyn, the city, they kill you. Last night, for example, was $275. A Tuesday night with me, Danielle, and Gabe. It's a killer. No, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Are you kidding? No, I know. I mean, but, but usually people will, will designate that type of dinner for a Saturday night. Yeah, once a week we'll spend about 200 bucks. This was 275 on a Tuesday. So anyway, it's, uh, this is killing us. It's just killing us. And, of course, I'm here all the time now because I'm five minutes away. This morning I took the, uh, the train again to work. 
the Ford train, which Phil takes every morning, it's only two stops. I go from East 33rd to East 42nd to 51st and Lex. Two stops. Maybe you run into each other. That's cool. Could happen. Yeah. I sat at 42nd Street for 15 minutes. That's why I didn't come into 520 this morning, which for me is actually very, very late. 15 minutes just sat there. No explanation. Two guys fast asleep. Two homeless guys fast asleep. I'm like, where's the mayor when I need him? Oh, you found Phil's other job. Then. That's cool. <laughs> uh, they looked like they smelled like duty. They, they, their shoes were off. They were literally laid out across the whole seat. You mean 5 a.m. at 42nd Street? That, yeah. That's what you encountered? <laughs> yeah. shock. Well, I actually encountered that on 51st and Lex. They were on the tra- excuse me, on 33rd and Park. They were on the train already. Have you ever noticed the phenomenon when one of them will get on and everybody will get, get off, off to get into another car? I've done that a million times. Yeah, if they just, stink, that's what I do. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. you see the the yeah. weight distribution. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. on one end, and this one guy's got like 50 feet to himself. Yeah. Well, these are, they were already asleep on the train, and the door shut, and I sat down, and I was like, what is that stench? And I looked over to my right, and one of the guys sleeping had sweatpants on. They were probably gray sweatpants when he got them. Uh-oh. They were brown this morning. So. Freak show. Yeah. That's your subway ride at 5 o'clock in the morning. Here I'm, I walk in with white Joseph Abood pants on, a blue velvet Joseph Abood jacket, straight from, uh, you know, Cosmopolitan magazine. He blended right in. Blended right in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sleeping on the train. Wake up! Where's my guy, the uh, Eric Adams, the mayor? He needs to see more stuff like this. He's, so, he's the only one out there, to Eric Adams' credit, who wants to get these people off the streets. Everybody else is like, no, 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 no. What are you going to do with them? And then if you take them off the streets, where are they going to go afterwards? I don't care. I'm trying to get to work in the morning. I'm putting on fancy clothing, putting on cologne. Got a big day ahead of me in New York City. I don't give a rat's ass where they are in three weeks. Just get them off my train. What is the matter with people like Jamani Williams? How stupid could you be? I understand about aftercare and all that stuff. I get it. But initially, just get these people, violent or not, get them off the streets. It's sickening. All you folks out there that are so, you know, you're so sensitive to the homeless. I wish you were on the train with me this morning. I really do. 4.48 a.m. trying to get to work, all dialed up, New York City, and deal with that. It's disgusting. It really is. It's disgusting. Let alone my son taking the train last night. And he saw it too. Now, the difference is it's packed. It's dinner time. So you're not as nervous as you are, let's say, at 4.30 in the morning. But it's just gross. It's gross. What does a family from Oklahoma do when they come here or something and they, they encounter that? And I don't know. Kids, the first thing they do is they see, you know, some people sleeping. I always think about thing. that. I see, like, a little kid... And his sister and mom and dad wearing, like, I love New York T-shirts. <laughs> and they're fat, you know, and they're eating, like, the turkey legs like Disney people do. I'm like, they got to be terrified. But they, all, they always seem to be so happy. I, I guess uh, just because they see people. Are fat people not allowed to be happy? Fat people, for the most part, are very happy. You ever notice that a really fat person gets skinny? They're miserable. Like Al Roker. He was all fat and happy. Now he's a miserable bastard. That's why, because he lost all his weight, right? Right. You stay fat, you stay happy. But these people, they, you know, when, where they live, if, if they see a cow, it's a big deal. <laughs> so they see people, they're like, oh, my God, this is great. A Who cares if they've got guns and knives and duty in their pants? So what? Would you just pose for a picture, hold the gun up? <laughs> yeah. So the big, uh, the big news yesterday was uh, me. 
I think I did say that, didn't I? But <laughs> fresh off of uh, Sunday, getting nearly 3 million views. I mean 3 million views on Twitter from my George Santos interview that I did back in 2020. The New York Post actually ran the story yesterday. They ran the story yesterday, and it was everywhere. So I'm doing the show with John Katsimatidis at 5 o'clock last night, which, again, was a blast. And I get a text from Danielle, and she goes, you're not going to believe this, but you're on Channel 5 right now. (laughs) I said, well, I'm on the air with John. I can't be watching it. But And then about 20 minutes later, she goes, you're not going to believe this, but I just walked through the hotel lobby. You're on CNN right now. I said, come on. She goes, I swear to God, that George Santos thing went everywhere. So we had that, had me in the New York Post and on just about every network last night. And then, of course, you had the Howard Stern deal yesterday. Because if you don't know the story, Bill O'Reilly is on with me every Thursday. He's terrific. Every Thursday. So last Thursday happened to be two iconic radio legends' birthday on the same day, Rush Limbaugh and Howard Stern. So I asked Bill O'Reilly about Howard, both Long Island guys, both Boston University guys, and Bill went on to say that he knew Howard from college. And then Howard Stern talked about the Sid Rosenberg-Bill O'Reilly conversation on his epic show yesterday and didn't seem to have the same recollection that Bill O'Reilly did. So with that said, we'll go to our investigative reporter on Sid and Friends in the morning. He also doubles on the other side of midnight, and the early news with the latest fake news story. Here's Alex Barnard. I'm Alex Barnard here with your 77 WABC fake news on this Wednesday, January 18th edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. And I tell you today, we've got kind of a juicy one. So last Thursday, Bill O'Reilly appeared on Sid and Friends in the Morning like he always does on Thursdays. And of course, last Thursday was the birthday of radio legend Howard Stern. So of course, given that it was the birthday of one of the greatest radio entertainers of all time, how could it not? be the subject of the conversation between Sid and O'Reilly. Well, O'Reilly brought up to Sid that he knew Howard Stern in college at Boston University. But if you listen to Howard Stern's show on Monday, you would have heard Stern say that O'Reilly is, well, full of it. I went to school with him at Boston U. Did you know that? (laughs) No, no one knows that. I don't even know that. Now, of course, it is widely known that Bill O'Reilly did have Howard Stern on his show back in 2008, a couple years after Stern went over to Sirius. But to what extent do they really know each other? That is the real question today. I'm Alex Barnard with your 77 WABC fake news. Excellent job, Alex. So I offered Bill O'Reilly the opportunity to come on today and tomorrow. To clear the air today, and O'Reilly's response, because he emailed me right afterwards, was, why, uh, why escalate it? We'll do it tomorrow with humor. So Bill O'Reilly will address the Howard Stern situation on this show coming up tomorrow. But a great guest list coming your way today. We start at 640. Don't forget, tomorrow is the deadline for the debt ceiling. Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, talking about all these extraordinary measures The government is about to take, about to be a huge fight between the House Republicans and the Democrats over this three-plus trillion dollar deal. So we'll talk to Mr. Economy at CNBC 
our dear friend Ronnie Insana coming up at 640. He's also a diehard Buffalo Bills football fan, and they've got a big game hosting the Bengals coming up on Sunday. Ron and Santa, 640. Coming up at 740, political operative and author and model, gorgeous and smart and very upset with how Democrats treat the Jews. Our dear friend Elizabeth Pipko live in studio. Coming up at 840, he's here every Wednesday morning. One of the great politicians in the history of New York, Congressman Peter King. 905, he was on with me and John last night, a brilliant attorney. He'll be talking documents with Joe Biden, the great Alan Dershowitz. And then coming up at 925, I told you last week, the movie I shot in Los Angeles, Gemini Lounge. We've got a huge screening here in New York City coming up on February the 13th. Well, the first show I ever did, Gravesend. They're about to drop season number two. The trailer came out yesterday. Writer, creator, director, and star Willie DeMeo. He'll be here at 925. It is an epic and monster hump day Wednesday show. The number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City. And the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. That's me, Sid and Friends, Talk Radio 77, WABC. WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Take me out tonight. Where there's music and there's people and the young and the Driving in your car. A little Smith for you, 624. I'm choking. I don't know why, Bill, but my eye missed a moment. Oh, you'll get over it. He would, uh, he would do this for like the first 30 minutes of every show. Yeah, these, guys <laughs> watched, these guys watched what happened back then. And then if you didn't talk, he'd be yelling, <laughs> Well, say something, you bastard. I'm choking to death, Sid. Would you say something? I mean... <laughs> With an oxygen well, tank near Yeah. Him. Wasn't he like 70 when this one happened? I don't know. It started way before he was 70. And then I read on the message board what a brilliant talent I miss was. And the guy choked for 40 minutes, talked about the rodeo with Wyatt for about 15 minutes, and then if I didn't save his ass every day, he'd have nothing. What else, Charles? I saw you got into an argument with someone on Facebook about uh, like the whole Stern versus Imus debate. Well, there's no argument. It's, there's no debate. You know, no, if you actually think Imus is more talented than Stern, then you don't know anything about radio. There's no, there's no argument. It's, it's idiotic. Right, it's like saying, it's sorry, like saying that Mookie Wilson's a better center fielder than Mickey Mantle. I mean, what are we talking about here? Okay, that's a huge separation. Or maybe that's not okay. it. You're right. Maybe that's a bit, bit much, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, like... Imus was no Stern. He was, uh, Imus is probably top five. <laughs> Mookie versus Wilson. <laughs> yeah, 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 maybe. Well, you're right. All right. Fine. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Shut up. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> maybe more like Mookie yeah, Betts maybe. and Willie. I don't but that's know. what he would do for like 30 minutes. He would just cough. <laughs> and be, oh, my God, I miss this so great little. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Bernie, do something. Bernie, idiot. say something. Say something. Yeah. <laughs> so Wednesday nights is uh, the homeless, feed the homeless night. So two weeks ago when I was living in the city, I had uh, Danielle and Gabe. We took uh, the mayor, Eric Adams, out for dinner. Had a great time. In fact, uh, the mayor and my son hit it off really, really well. And then uh, the mayor and I went to feed the homeless 
on 34th Street in the city and met a bunch of really wonderful people. I mean, just great people. Eleonora Segura and her friend Gigi. Norman Siegel was there that night. Other community leaders. We had the guy in studio last week, you may remember, who started this whole thing, a, uh, a terrific guy whose name now escapes me. I apologize, but I guess I'm a lot more I'm like I'm than I thought. But the guy who was in studio last week who wore the jet hat and the ranger shirt who started beating the homeless. Yes. Uh, the hell was that guy's name again? Name. Oh, yeah. I'll look it up. All right. Thanks. Nobody pays any attention. But he was great. And it's a wonderful thing he's done. Now he's got two other guys. There's really three of them that put this coalition together. So last Wednesday, I was back in Rockaway. And then, of course, we had to leave again. Now we're gone for five months. We're going to go back and forth pretty much every week, check on the house, check on the construction, do some laundry, get the mail from my great neighbors, Billy and Jackie Felton. But for the most part, we're going to be living in the city for the better part of five months. So now that I'm back in the city, um, I'll probably join the mayor again tonight and feed the homeless. So, so look how crazy I am. I just spent the first segment of the show yelling and screaming about the homeless and how they ruined my trip to work this morning on the Ford train. And the very next segment, I'm going to feed these poor bastards later on tonight. So <laughs> You're quite a chameleon. I'm tonight. just, yeah, I'm a mess. <laughs> was that Craig Eaton? No, that wasn't him, right? Who was no, Craig guys? Eaton is a lawyer who's on John's show every day. He was on with us yesterday. He's very good. Yeah. Craig Eaton. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Guess from like, well, first off, it wasn't last week. Oh, Craig was on last week. It he was, called us from Aruba. That was two weeks ago, and you're talking about no, Noel, right? Maguire? Yes, Noel Maguire. That's it. You're right. right. It was a day after. Would have been. You're right. Two weeks ago, Thursday. I was looking good. at people's names that aren't familiar to me, and I was trying to figure out which one it was. I was wrong. But yeah. Well, that's Sid. I'm shots. Lou, by the way. Yeah, that's, I'm Sid, right? I won't remember this by the end of the show. So, <laughs> so I'm waiting for the mayor to text me back and see if I'm uh, going to feed the homeless tonight after dinner with John and Margot Katsimatidis. See, here's the thing. When, when, I, when I moved to Rockaway, part of it was I wanted my own home, but I wanted some peace and quiet because this job is anything but. And I'm everywhere. I'm on TV, movies, hosting this show, and I'm just everywhere. So going back to Queens at night for me was perfect. A nice respite from the craziness of New York City, and that's gone now. So when I'm back here, it's like every night something else is going on. Uh, Again, tonight, dinner and feed the homeless. Tomorrow night, Rangers Bruins with Gabe and Danielle. And it's all great, and it's fun, but I don't know how people do it forever. Like John and Margo, God bless them. The two greatest people I know. How they, night after night, dinners and traveling and this politician, and I don't know how they do it. I don't. I'm exhausted already. I mean, I fell asleep yesterday at one point, like an hour, in the afternoon before I came back to help out John, and I swear I thought I died. I woke up with palpitations, had no idea where I was. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Charles, get me up. So uh, the mayor was uh, speaking yesterday on a variety of topics. One of those was these abortion pills. Let me go to a Noam Layden in our newsroom who's in for Deb Valentine. Good morning, Noam. How are you, pal? Doing great. You got a great radio voice, you know that? Thank you very much. Why did I mishate you so much? I don't know. You hated him, (laughs) too, to be fair. All these years later. Well, you hated him, too, so. Yeah, well, he wasn't really that pleasant to me, so. You think because you were Jewish? I'm being serious. You know, I, I spoke to somebody else who... Len Berman. I'm sure Len Berman. Yes. Lenny the Jew. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Len, Len could have just yeah. like sued him right, right out, there. Out. Yeah. So Len agreed he didn't like you because you were Jewish. I, he thought so. He thought right. it was anti-Semitism. I like the last person to use that because I think that's a, you know usually people are not like that, but. I don't, you know, he said things to me that were pretty anti-Semitic, so. <laughs> yeah. And they weren't on the air. They, yeah. uh, they were calls uh, after the show were over. Well, so. he got so mad when you said your name. He didn't like that for some reason. Because you, like, drag out the E, yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. You know, why, 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 you, why do you do that, though? Why, why, um, it's a weird thing. I have no idea. Did your mom and dad make you do that? You know, you know, they saddled me with this name. Well, there's Israeli, <laughs> and they saddled me with this name that nobody can pronounce. So, you know, I, well, say I it, spell say it, it out for say you. Say it the N- way you say it. N- well, I don't know. How do I say it? Just Noam? say it. I say Noam. But why don't you say Noam instead of Noam? Well, well it is Noam. Yeah. It's a stupid name. Why are you asking <laughs> why he's pronouncing his name what? in the correct way? Just say Noam. What Noam? What is that? How you pronounce it? That's his I name. I don't know. It's too confusing. I must have right about that. <laughs> four he letters. Might, he might be right. literally yeah. four letters. I long. should have changed it when I had the change. You, you know, in my first radio job, my name was. Uh, they made me change my name, and I'm you should be like Jack. What it was. I should I be like Jack. You know, I don't like, believe in changing your name for radio. I think I it's do. stupid. Jack Layden. Jack Layden. Yeah, that sounds so hot. You know, Jack Layden. I like that. Yeah, and then how disappointed would they be when they saw me? <laughs> They're no, like, you're well, a that guy, guy sounds hot. You're a handsome guy. And then they'd guy. want to barf in their mouth. No, you're a handsome guy. So what are these abortion pills that uh, the mayor's talking about? So they're starting today. Four clinics across the city are going to offer these abortion pills for free. They've actually been available, but not for free. So now you can go in for free. And I think what the mayor's trying to do, and you can probably ask him tonight, is create an abortion hub here in New York. So people will come from places where it's illegal and they can get the medication they need if they want to have an abortion. It sounds like a lot safer than going under the, you know, getting a real abortion, the actual medical. Uh... Yeah, you have to take these pills pretty, you know, right away. Right away. Yeah, yeah. And how long does it take for the for the fetus to die? That's an excellent question that I do not know the answer to, but I could find out. All right, well, let's let's get the uh, the mayor, Eric Adams, Lewis, talking about these abortion pills. Thank you, Norm, as always. Mm-hmm. These abortion pills yesterday, this is the mayor, Eric Adams. No other city in the nation or in the world has a public health department that is providing medication abortion. We are the first. We're already providing medication abortion at 11 public hospitals citywide, and we are expanding the program to reach more New Yorkers. But women's health cannot change unless women are part of the conversation. The mayor also spoke about the migrant situation. Remember, he's only a couple of days removed from that big trip to El Paso, Texas, where to his credit, unlike the president, Joe Biden, he actually did go to the border. And not the sanitized part of the border. He saw the ugliness. Now, some will say five months too late. Governor Abbott's been inviting Mayor Adams for a long time. But most of the folks that I spoke to yesterday, including people who are big Adams detractors, like Judge Janine, they were ready, willing, and able to give the mayor credit for going sooner or later than sooner. Here's uh, Eric Adams on the migrants. We have many uh, municipalities throughout the entire state that are suffering in population, uh, that are dealing with uh, the need of employees. If we give the work uh, uh, opportunities, you're going to see a lot of municipalities who are suffering to have workers uh, will allow and have a real partnership to allow people to come to their municipalities. We must address the problem and have proper coordination 
a collaboration and communication. I was happy to see Mayor Adams go after this Brad Lander, the city controller, who uh, Adams said was disingenuous in criticizing Adams' trip to El Paso, Texas. Brad Lander, the controller, is one of the biggest douchebags God ever created. So for what it's worth, Mayor Eric Adams, I'm on your side 1,000%. Ron and Santa and traffic coming up next. But right now it's time for the Tunnel to Towers update. Here's my dear friend Frank Siller. He talks about their amazing student-athlete ambassadors. Here he is once again, my friend Frank Siller. We are so proud of the college students who are part of our student-athlete program. These student ambassadors play sports at Division One, Two, II, and Three colleges. These athletes use their platform to educate their peers about the Tunnel to Towers mission to do good so America can truly never forget 9-11 and all the sacrifice of all our America's heroes. They help us reach the younger generation of adults and teens to immortalize our 9-11 heroes and their supreme acts of heroism on that fateful day and thereafter. Our student athletes may have a parent or relative who responded on 9-11 or served or currently serves in the military. They also may have a parent or a relative who is a first responder. They really understand and embody who we are at the foundation through these ties. And these student athletes represent the Tunnel to Towers Foundation and our values to younger and future generations. I couldn't be prouder of these great role models. Thank you and God bless. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Favorite rock and roll songs ever, Limelight by Rush at 641, your hump day Wednesday morning, back on the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City, the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America, sitting friends in the morning. 
Thank you to Frank Siller. Make sure you listen every Wednesday morning for the Tunnel to Towers update. Only right here, once again, every Wednesday morning. So there's a big story, big uh, political and economic story, that we did cover with Larry Kudlow yesterday. And that is the debt ceiling deadline. And that deadline comes your way tomorrow. And Janet Yellen said just a couple of days ago that extraordinary measures, sounds to me like a lot of TV sound, but extraordinary measures will be taken if, in fact, they don't come to some type of resolution over this debt ceiling issue by tomorrow. Here's another great economist, TV guy, dear friend of mine, watched him yesterday on CNBC, the great Ron and Santa. Ronnie, good morning. How are you, pal? Good morning. Do you know how hard it is to play limelight on drums? I have mm. been working on this for months. It's brutal. Is that true? Yeah. Are you a it's drummer? Really oh, yeah, I've been since I was nine, yeah. Really? Yeah. You were in a band and everything? Yeah, yeah, six years. Get out of here. And he's doing Rush, Rush songs. And he's doing Rush. I know. I know. I'm, trying, I'm, trying, I'm trying very late in life to emulate Neil Peart. It is Neil literally Pert. impossible. Neil Peart, oh, one of the yeah, greats. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You look at Ron and Santa, and he's an economist. There's nothing more geeky or nerdy, even though Larry Cuddle <laughs> did a lot of blow, than, uh, than an economist. And, uh, you know, he loves football. He plays the drums, hangs out at fancy steakhouses in Englewood. Like, you don't look the part necessarily, Ronnie. I don't. I don't look a lot of parts, Sid, as you well know. I mean, I, I I look like I should be running, you know, the dispatch unit at taxi, you know, with, with, in the place of Danny DeVito. So, you That's know. funny. I, don't, yeah, I, I could see where you, we would get that. Uh, yeah, that yeah. Danny DeVito. I was upset with you a couple of days ago. We had you on in the newsroom, and uh, there you were doing this interview on CNBC about the debt ceiling, and you yeah. were sitting, I guess, in your home office, and behind you was this huge bookcase. And I yep. was looking through all the books, hundreds of books, and I did not see Citizens United. And that really did bother me. Yeah, I try not to alienate as many people as possible. So um, there's, there's a Bible up above me. Um, and it's actually an Aramaic to English Bible, so that's a more accurate translation. Um, and, uh, yeah. and then Citizens United. I know. Where's Citizens United? I saw the Bible. I saw some other economic books and War and Peace. I don't know. Bernie Madoff's book. But no one, no Sid Rosenberg. But that's okay. Hey, before we get to the economic talk, we got four big football games this weekend. Of course, I'm bested yeah. Saturday night with my Giants taking on the Eagles. But everybody knows some of the biggest Buffalo Bills fans ever include Tim Russert. And you, well, Kathy Hogel, that that wench. But uh, you, you're a diehard Buffalo Bills fan. And uh, this game against the the, there, yeah. the Bengals on Sunday, you all pumped up for that? I, well, pumped up's a hard expression to use, I think. I'm, I'm always concerned that, you know, they, they've lately shown a tendency to, to want to beat themselves. Although I love these guys to death. I mean, I, Josh Allen, to me, is... is uh, a unique character in the history of modern football. I think, look, if they can get to Joe Burrow and disrupt his game, they have a very good shot of taking out Cincinnati. But Cincinnati's a hot team. I mean, they've won eight in a row. They're playing well. Um, although they didn't look that great against Baltimore. So it gives me hope that if Buffalo plays its game and plays mistake-free football, that they'll win and go on to the next round. Now that I think about it, forget about my book being behind you in that TV shot. Why were you not sitting there instead of wearing your fancy clothing in a Demar Hamlin jersey like everybody else? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't 
I typically don't wear that stuff on my sleeve when I'm when I'm working. But um, yeah, listen, I mean, Demar, you got to love that kid. It's, it's uh, it was one of the most emotional moments. I think I've I've been following football since 1966. I don't remember having uh, you know as strong a reaction to anything as 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 that, and and understandably so. I mean, the, the kid just you know literally almost died on the field. And and when you looked at Josh Allen's face or Mitch Morse's face or uh, Trey White, who was, you know, openly in tears, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a violent sport. And, you know, occasionally you kind of rethink your commitment to it because you know that a lot of these guys are going to have problems later in life, if not, you know, sooner, but you know, it's also one of the most complex, one of the most intellectual, one of the most, I think, you know, unbelievable sports to watch when, when you see, you know, these guys running around doing what they do to the kids on Baltimore. If they way and uh, David Ojaba went to school with my kids at Blair Academy in New Jersey, and they're both playing for the Ravens. And it's just to see kids be able to matriculate from a, from a small school in New Jersey to the pros is, you know, kind of like a miracle to watch as well. Oh, that is pretty big. I didn't know that. Okay, there you have it, folks. Yeah. Ron and Santa. Bills and Bengals are the first game on Sunday. Again, the four games Coming up this weekend, Saturday afternoon, it's the Jaguars at the Chiefs. Saturday night, my football giants in Philadelphia. Sunday afternoon, Ronnie and Santa's Bills will host the Bengals. And Sunday night, San Francisco will host the Dallas Cowboys. We'll take a short break, come back with more with Ron and Santa, including the debt ceiling and inflation. All the economy talk you need with the great Ron and Santa on the other side. Radio 77. WABC. This is a story about Billy Joe and Bobby Sue. Two young lovers with nothing better to do. They sit around the house, get high and watch them too. Back here on this Wednesday morning, sitting friends in the morning with CNBC's Ron and Santa. So again, the big story is this debt ceiling deadline. Janet Yellen using these two words, extraordinary measures, if in fact it is not done by tomorrow. Listen, Ron, it's a very, very complex thing that you do, and most people have no idea what it really means. So for the average guy on the street, the nine to five guy right now pounding the pavement, what does this whole thing mean tomorrow? Well, it doesn't mean anything specifically tomorrow. We're not going to default on our debt tomorrow. The, the, the Treasury can stretch out and prioritize payments that will take us all the way to June before we truly run the risk of breaching the debt limit, which is a law that caps the amount of debt the U.S. can carry. Which well, is let me stop right there. If, in fact, yeah. even come June, we breach that, what is the yeah. worst thing that can happen? We're saying, well, uh, the financial markets could go into a tailspin. You, you would see um, investors lose faith in the full faith and credit of the U.S. government, which backs U.S. treasuries, which are our borrowings from investors and from foreign entities. So if we default on our debt, the value of our debt would plunge, presumably. That would set interest rates higher and the dollar substantially lower and could throw 
financial markets into a tailspin and ultimately lead to a recession or worse. And there's the contagion risk because there are other heavily indebted nations that would then become suspect. We have the most highly prized sovereign debt or you know country debt in the world. If we default on our obligations, it becomes an enormous problem. We've never done it. We came close in 2011. Financial markets responded negatively. S&P downgraded the quality of U.S. debt. Didn't really have much of an impact. But if we were to default, and this is a very, very silly game that's being played. It was played in 2011. Debt ceiling was raised without incident three times during the Trump administration. All you're doing when you raise the debt ceiling is allow for us to pay the bills that we've already incurred. This has absolutely nothing to do with new spending. All right. So, but the spending, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is your game. It ain't mine. Spending and inflation, they go hand in hand. Not always. And, and, and this is this is a look, this, this is a convenient argument when one side wants to use it as, as a wedge. It's not always true. I mean, throughout the 1990s, we had deficits and inflation came down in the 2000s. We did not have inflation and, and spending went up. There was an unusual confluence of events that occurred during the pandemic. Number one, the Fed taking interest rates back to zero, the, uh, the federal government spending additional trillions of dollars in pandemic relief. And then as the economy recovered rather quickly from the recession that occurred during the pandemic, some of that excess spending fueled inflation. But 40% of the inflation that we saw, Sid, over the course of the last couple of years, the Federal Reserve has acknowledged, came from all the supply chain disruptions that occurred during the pandemic, some from excess stimulus. So it's even still, all of that is divorced from this debt limit argument. They're just not connected in any way shape or form gotcha and uh last i saw inflation is down now to about six and a half percent much better than close to nine percent so yeah. that's a pretty good indicator i guess that we are on our way back i mean i keep hearing recession but if the inflation is going down why would we be looking at a gloomy couple of months well, inflation is coming down because the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates as quickly as any time in modern history. And the, with the risk and the understanding that on the other side of that rate hike cycle, we'll see another one at the end of this month, probably a quarter point, maybe even two more, that if the recession comes, it also drives down inflation further. Now, my personal view, inflation peaked in June. It continues to come down. Uh, supply chain problems have been uh, all taken care of. We're kind of back to normal in that regard. And then some of the you know th- other disruptions that we've seen, people are complaining about egg prices. That's a result of bird flu and and the chicken her chicken uh, population in the United States being called by by tens of millions of chickens. So egg prices are up because of a shortage. Inflation's coming down. We could still though face a recession in which inflation will fall further. So there's a very high probability that sometime later in the year we're going to slip into some kind of re- recession. And again. A breach of the debt limit would exacerbate that problem. And it, this is not a game of chicken, pardon that analogy, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to be played. It's yeah. really just yeah. – this is a really silly thing. And whoever plays this game usually loses politically at the end of the day. Well, I know we're going to get a, a big battle here between the new House Republicans and uh, the folks that are there now in terms of this battle. But well, what can we do, Ron and Santa, to ensure that we don't – uh, in fact, uh, have this issue come June? Well, I, look, I mean, those who think that they can use this as a wedge to drive down 
let's say, Social Security or Medicare spending are out of their minds. They're not linked in any way, shape, or form. Those are mandatory programs. They are funded by Americans who pay into the system. Defense spending, you can argue over during the budgeting process. But again, the debt ceiling is only lifted so that we can pay the bills that we've already incurred. This is to pay for borrowing that's already taken place. If they want to rationalize the budget going forward, they need to do that through the normal process. This is this is just not a lever that can be pulled without having very, very serious consequences. So the next six months, and I think people are crazy enough to play this game this time around. We're in 2011. We, we went to the brink. We had problems. We had a negative financial market reaction, but we ultimately got around it. The debt ceiling was raised three times during the Trump administration, even before pandemic spending occurred, $4.7 trillion was added to the national debt without anybody blinking about the debt ceiling. And and that's really kind of been the case for a long time. This is just not, there's never a time or place to have this argument. They should just get rid of the debt ceiling altogether because unless we have a rational budgeting process, it makes no difference what the debt ceiling is. You have to reduce spending if you want to control the deficits. You have to bring, uh, you know, other government functions in line with maybe more rational uh, policies, but but triggering a default is is not going to solve that issue, and again will create much more chaos than I think some of these folks realize. All right. So once again, coming from a very layman's point of view here, I heard Joe Biden say two days ago the economy is good. It's on the rebound. It's good. Yeah. And then the last two days, both Larry Kudlow and Ron Insana have told me that uh, expect interest rates to continue to go up and a recession is in all likelihood going to happen. My question is, how could it be both? Well, so you're talking about when, right? I mean, right now, the economy is actually growing probably close to 4%. But all the indicators that we look at going forward, and we're hearing this from big banks, they're taking extra, putting, setting aside extra money for consumer delinquencies and defaults on credit cards. The real estate market is in a very deep recession already. Affordability is still extraordinarily low. It's, it's impossible to buy a house right now without consuming more of your income than at almost any other time in history. And we're starting to see a slowdown in auto sales. We're starting to see a slowdown in global economic growth as well. And this is largely on the Fed. They're, they're raising rates to beat back inflation, which is already falling. And my guess, and I assume Larry's guess as well, is the Fed's going to go too far and tip us into recession. Some of the indicators that I look at and, and some of the economists that I follow believe there's as much as a 93% chance of recession by sometime in the middle of this year. And look, we think it, we think it's going to be mild. We think it may be moderate, but you never know. If they screw around with the debt ceiling and cause a default, it'll be more than mild and moderate. But on the way out, 60 seconds, Ron, would you recommend to folks out there to play the market? Or would you say stay away? Oh, you know, look, you don't stay away. I mean, that's just, you know, that's in many ways, that's just a fool's errand. I mean, if you're, again, we're looking at retirement ages for young people at around 70. They have dozens of, you know, and scores of years to put money away. You you put the same amount of money into the market every month. You buy very simple things like the S&P 500 ETF, the so-called Spider, or the triple Qs that represent the NASDAQ. And you just have a disciplined savings program. If you're near retirement, obviously you want to reduce your exposure to riskier assets. But, you know, over time, you don't lose money by socking it away in the market. It's it, it's a question of time, not really a question of timing. As always, Ron and Santa, there's nobody better. Whether we're talking about the Buffalo I agree Bills with you on or the that, economy. actually, yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. 
100%. No, you're great because you really do explain it in a way where even idiots like me understand what you're talking about. So thank you for that. And that's the way I think about when I, when, you know, when I try to explain this stuff is idiots like you. So, you know. Ron and son, I love you, buddy. Great job. Thank you love so you much. Too. What Happy a super love. job. There he is. That's my guy right there, folks. That's my guy right there. CNBC's Ron and Santa. A lot more to come, including Bill O'Reilly's morning message and the beautiful Elizabeth Pipko next hour. Right here on Sitting Friends in the Morning, only on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Is Sid and friends in the morning? Oh, no, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off even by lighting up, boy, from my friends. The star of the show, boy, boy. I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Boy, this boy. is Sid and friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Seventy-seven WABC. By the way, if they do, that means not a joke, everybody. That's why we were defeated in 2018 when they tried to do it. We went to 54 states. 54, yeah. Those are the words of Katanji Drown Jackson, our Supreme Court Justice. Sitting friends in the morning show. This uh, husband is going to be charged with his wife's murder. He was charged. There'll be a rain today. This guy, Brian Walshy. And I'm always fascinated by these stories. We'll talk to uh, Liz Pipko coming up at 740. Peter King, 840. Alan Dershowitz, 905. Willie DeMeo, 925. I'm always fascinated by these husbands who kill their wives and think they can get away with it. I mean, I mean, I know OJ. I get it. OJ got away with it. I guess he did something stupid in Vegas a decade later. And believe me, he went to jail for a long time because of Nicole's murder. So he didn't really get away with it. But I guess he did. Robert Blake, the guy who played Beretta, he shot his wife, and you know, Bill Shatner's wife was dead in a swimming pool. I'm, I'm just bringing up stories of dead wives. I don't Natalie know. Wood. Natalie Wood. 
Yeah, I mean, Robert Wagner and Christopher Walken, I believe, killed her. Both of them. I, I, I didn't see her really that clearly, so I don't, I can't completely exonerate myself. Oh, that is a great Christopher Walken, Lewis. I think, uh... That is great. I think I got some of that from Rob. Actually, oh, my Rob God. Was... I love Christopher Walken, but you're right. She... Oh, don't. Uh, don't. <laughs> Usually people who don't like the water and can't swim don't jump in the water, especially <laughs> right. at night. But, um... Anyway, so this guy, he, he clearly killed her, and then... Not only does he kill her, but, like, his blood is everywhere. There's, there's DNA everywhere. He didn't even try to clean up the damn place, you know. So he's, uh, he should get the chair, this guy. The, uh, Phil Spector did that to Phil Spector, Spector yeah, another one. Another, yeah. Was, uh, there's a stable individual. Well, well, now, you gave me an example of somebody, Phil, that uh, you thought killed their wives. and Patton Oswalt. Courtney, uh, or Courtney Love. Patton Oswalt? Yeah. Patton Oswalt. The guy from King of Queens? Yeah. He killed his wife? In cold blood. Now this is alleged, obviously, right? Don't you, you'll be yes, sued. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. Allegedly. No, he didn't kill her on cold blood. She, uh, it, there's like speculation around it because she died in her sleep, and uh, she died of like a drug overdose. And he like immediately got remarried. Like, very oh really? Soon. I, I, he was like, I think he was already having an affair or something like that. And, no kidding. I don't know. And then you you think that Courtney Love <laughs> shot Kurt Cobain? He didn't do it himself? Oh, uh, absolutely, allegedly. <laughs> I have to say allegedly. No, but he, he I, clearly I, killed himself. There's no... There's no, it's, the... clear, it's clear that she killed him, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? <laughs> I can't follow. <laughs> Phil would be a great investigator. Yeah. What the I, heck did you just... Yeah, what, what, uh, what brought you to this conclusion? What was the... Uh, did somebody call you or tell you something? Or? No, I just assume no. the worst of people. Right. And uh, it's I, I lose nothing by ruining someone's life. <laughs> so I just go okay. ahead and pull the trigger. All like right. Courtney Love did that day when she murdered her husband. Okay. Allegedly. Okay. Allegedly, right. Make All sure right. you had that. Interesting. Yeah. So your buddy was at the White House yesterday. My best friend. Yes, the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. How many championships have they won now? Steve Kerr's version. Uh, four. Four? Sure. What, what was that? Uh, what, what did you do just now? Was that a burp or something? I, did I burp on air? <laughs> you can't do that. I'm sorry. Well, I don't know. You're, you start off the segment coughing seven times. I know. He was eating the entire time you were talking. I know, but him. I'm an old man. I'm going to be 56. You're like a little kid. I'm an old man. I'm going to be 26. Okay. So Steve Kerr's won four championships. The Golden State Warriors won the NBA championship last year. Well, Steve Kerr's won nine altogether. He's won nine, right. As a player of Chicago he Bulls. Won five and, and yeah. the Spurs. One of the dumbest traditions we've got in the United States is we invite dopey sports teams who, in the big scheme of things, mean nothing other than big money and people enjoy watching them to the White House. Not doctors, not teachers, not even military all the time, but people who hate this country, hate this government, they're invited to the White House. Now, when Carr and the Warriors won the NBA championship and Donald Trump was president, they elected not to go. Isn't that true, Phil? Yeah, this is their third time going to the White House despite uh, them winning four championships. One time they said no to Donald Trump. Then do you think that if the president invites you to the White House, that whether you like his politics or not, you should go? It depends what I'm like. my plans were prior. Excuse me? What? <laughs> it depends on your plans prior? Sure. What, what could you have been doing that day that's more important or more prestigious than going to the White House. 
a good example yesterday is Nikola Jokic was playing basketball. If they gave me the Wi-Fi <laughs> password and I could catch it on my phone. So you would actually say to the president, Mr. President, please don't be offended, but the Denver Nuggets are playing the Utah Jazz, and that will that will not allow me to uh, come Yes, see. and not only that, but he should be totally understanding of my decision. <laughs> Steve Kerr is like the least likable. He's a, a, There's a group of coaches in the NBA. One guy's name is Greg Popovich. He coaches the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, he's a tool. Then there was Stan Van Gundy, who I happen to like very much. I love his brother Jeff. Jeff coached the Knicks, of course, and the Rockets. Stan coached Detroit, New Orleans, Miami. He's another hateful um, American. And then you get the, the the worst of all is Steve Kerr. You may remember last year, the after the shooting, I guess it was Uvalde. I think it was. And Golden State was playing in the NBA Finals. And he came out to do his pregame press conference, and he started yelling. Pounding his fist. Yeah, was the histrionics were, the dramatics were so over the top, so not believable. And it turns out, I guess, that Steve Kerr's father was assassinated. Believe it or not, he was assassinated. So he has lived with the awful memories of guns. And what guns can do, his own father was gunned down. But he was so over the top, not even at all believable. And then Steph Curry, his best player, and some say one of the greatest players to ever play the game, he gets up there and he starts saying how inspired he is by his head coach. So that day I hated both of those guys. And I still do. I can't stand Steve Kerr. And although I'm the first to admit Steph Curry is a brilliant talent, he's a moron. Is that bad to say, Phil? I don't know. I wouldn't yeah. say he's a moron. Yeah. But what would you say? Um, Are you eating? Am I bothering? I, mean, I feel like... Yeah, first like... he's sleeping, then he's eating. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing? I have chips in my mouth. No. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to have you come back to me. Sorry. I'm sorry. Well, what okay. would you call him? Then? If I, I call him a moron. How would you describe Steph Curry? I would say he's, he's uh, you know, one of the best basketball players of all time. Well, we've already agreed to that. Yeah, yeah but I, I don't think of him... For his politics, I think right. him for his sure. play on the court. Right. Even though it does kind of, you know, bleed into it. But he, he, much like you, he voted for Hillary in 2016. Right, okay, don't bring that up. So, but but the, the point is, these guys are the ones that interject the politics. If they just kept it to basketball, then I'd still love a guy like LeBron James, for example. Yeah, I like my sports and my politics a little separate. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you there. Um, yeah. But when they, when they do say this stuff, I kind of just... Ignore it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, just make your, you know. You don't care. No. You know, it doesn't, for some reason, it bothers me. You do, it doesn't seem to bother you. Much things in life don't bother me. <laughs> I've noticed that. So Steve Kerr <laughs> is at the White House podium yesterday, once again celebrating the Golden State Warrior Championship. And there's no bigger sports fan than me, but in the big scheme of things, it's like the least important thing in the history of the world. The fact the Warriors won the NBA championship. But here's Kerr in all his glory at the White House yesterday. This uh, Lou Rapino is cut number five. Uh, thank you so much uh, for having us today. On behalf of the Warriors, I want to thank uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris for the invitation Please. to come to the White House today to celebrate our championship from a year ago. Um, it's a great reminder of how lucky we are to be Americans, to live in a country where we can uh, chase our dreams and, and enjoy um, the, uh, the fruits of our labor and the, the celebration of all those around us. And to come here today uh, with members of the organization to, to celebrate is really something special. 
What a jerk off. My God, he makes me sick. And then he goes, he does it again. He does it again. Gun control. Right? Every time Steve Kerr has an opportunity, he has to make it political. He didn't show up when Donald Trump invited him, which is very un-American, I must say. You go no matter what. Well, you don't go no matter what. You either go or don't go. You don't pick and choose, Steve Kerr, you jackass. Here he is talking about gun control again, number six. Uh, It was also uh, very um, fulfilling for me just a little while ago to take part in a uh, roundtable uh, on gun violence and uh, gun safety uh, with some uh, senior White House staffers along with Clay Thompson and Moses Moody. Um, over the last hour or so, we um, learned a lot about what this administration is doing to, uh, to help um, create a safer environment in our country, uh, something that's uh, very close to my heart. And um, it's wonderful for me to, to, to learn a lot more than, than I knew. Um, so coming in today is... Uh, it's a, it's a great day on many fronts. So thanks for the invitation. Steph Curry comes up next. Of course, the phenomenal player for Golden State, one of the greatest players of all time. And he takes this opportunity to mention that WNBA star, one of the worst trades in the history of this country. And right up there with the Bo Bergdahl trade. You may remember we traded that Russian arms dealer for this dopey basketball player. And I'm happy she's home, don't get me wrong, but my God, what a horrible trade. That didn't stop Steph Curry from mentioning Brittany Griner at the White House yesterday. Steph Curry cut number seven. To have this opportunity to reflect on the accomplishment last year, to uh, bring everybody together to celebrate that, to also acknowledge the, the play sports has and bringing people together from all walks of life, all backgrounds, um, to provide inspiration, hope, love, uh, togetherness, and that's what our journey was last year. Uh, So to have another opportunity to celebrate that means a lot. And uh, a great opportunity for us uh, from the basketball community to thank um, President Biden and his staff uh, for all their hard work and diligence on uh, getting Brittany Griner home. Oh, shut Uh, up. It's a big part of uh, uh, our basketball family. Nobody cares. It means a lot to them. Shut up. All right. So Joe Biden, the imbecile in chief, was uh, talking about these this warrior team and he's talking about the critics and somehow this is unbelievable. Well, not unbelievable for him, but somehow Joe Biden equated himself, correlated, if you will, himself with the Golden State Warriors. You're right, Jack. <laughs> as only Joe Biden can do. Joe Biden cut number three. The Golden State Warriors are known as one of the most successful franchises in basketball and all of sports. And four NBA titles, six finals, and in the last eight seasons. That ain't bad, man. That ain't bad. (laughs) Stat line of a dynasty. Mm -hmm. But uh, the last couple of years are pretty tough. Mm -hmm. Struggled in 2020, missed the playoffs in 21, and critics wondered if this team was gone for good Mm -hmm. as a championship team. Mm -hmm. But, fellas, I know what it feels like. (laughs) (laughs) What does he mean by that? What does he mean by that? He is gone for good. Joe Biden's been gone for years. I mean, mentally gone. I mean, history. So every day, this bastard, he can't, he can't, he forgets people's names. Yesterday, he couldn't pronounce Kamala's name. Two days ago, he had the very difficult task of trying to pronounce a name of a lady that he actually appointed to the Supreme Court. That was a complete disaster. Those are the words of Kajan, Kajan, Katanji Drown Jackson. Yeah. 
our Supreme Court justice. And I see that. So yesterday, one of the best players on Golden State, along with Steph Curry, is a guy named Clay Thompson. And if you follow the NBA and you follow Golden State, you know that name, Clay Thompson. But again, we're talking about Joe Biden. Cut number four. Reimagine the team around the big three, Steph, Draymond, and, uh, and Kyrie. Well, you guys are sorry. <laughs> no. You got to play that one no. more time. He didn't even get so, Draymond's name either. I don't, no, he got that wrong too, but he's trying to say Stephon Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson, the big three. He gets Steph, he gets Draymond, and again, take a listen for Clay Thompson. It doesn't happen. Joe Biden, cut number four. And reimagine the team around the big three, Steph, Draymond, and, uh, and Kyrie. Well, you guys are so <laughs> I mean, No, he, didn't, he hardly got any of the names. Are you kidding? That was, was like one out of three of three best. Three people. I know. I wish Andre Iguodala was still there. That would have been a tough one for Joe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Joe Biden, Steve Kerr. Michael, James, George, George. And Steph Curry. God help us all. God bless America. Bill O'Reilly's morning message and the gorgeous Liz Pipko coming up. Keep it right here. Watch out, boy. Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. It is Wednesday, and on the No Spin News, my TV broadcast Monday night, I said I'm starting to dislike President Biden personally. That hasn't happened in my career. Every president in my lifetime has made mistakes, of course, but they didn't cause me to dislike them as people. Mr. Biden is an exception. In a speech marking the King federal holiday, the president basically said that America continues to hose African-Americans and that he, Joe Biden, will triumph by putting an end to the systemic racism and voter suppression. As we know, the midterm election saw a record voter turnout. Mr. Biden is essentially casting himself as a savior to blacks who really need to be saved from him. The president has done all he can to create an entitlement class based on perceived grievance while allowing hard drugs to stream into this country through the open southern border. Urban blacks especially are deeply and negatively affected by that. Biden's rhetoric is divisive, largely untruthful, and brutally unfair to a country that provides more opportunity than any other. So I don't much like this guy whose civil rights voting record in the Senate is sketchy to say the least. I think Joe Biden is hurting all of us by exploiting race for political gain. I guess I could be misguided, but I don't think so. That is the morning O'Reilly update.
More analysis later on. Hi, it's Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith, and this is See It in the Morning. I'm going to do that again. Hi, it's Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith, and this is Sid and Friends in the Morning on 77 WABC. Oh, and by the way, I am way more famous than Sid. When you came in, the air went out. And every shadow filled up with doubt. I don't know who you think you are, but before the night is through, I want to do bad things. I do want to do bad things to you. This is... I use this song on one of my favorite shows of all time, True Blood, which was an amazing, amazing show on HBO. In fact, I had the chance to hang out with Sookie, who was played by Anna Paquin, and uh, Billy at uh, Wolfgang Puck's restaurant at the MGM in Las Vegas right before the Mayweather Delahoya fight. And they were great. I, I never missed this show, never. In fact, what's his name is married to uh, Sophia Viagra. <laughs> he had a big part on the show. Joe was something or other. I don't know. Joe, Turns out he's Jewish. Joe, uh, Joe Box? No. No, it wasn't Joe the Box. Folks, join the 77 WABC VIP Club by downloading the app or going to wabcradio.com slash VIP. This week, you've got a chance to win. You ready for this? A WABC studio tour and meet and greet with program director Matt Meany and me. Did I agree to this? I guess I yeah, did. Apparently. Right? Yeah. I don't think I did, actually, but sounds exciting. You know what? Uh, every week. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's going to be quite a day. <laughs> I know. Me and Meanie. <laughs> Such an odd combination. Every week we give away these uh, prizes. <laughs> the program director and the morning show host. Well, how long could a tour of this place really even last anyways? I don't know. I mean, seven, we've got a lot going on here. Seven minutes. Yeah, maybe something like that. Yeah, but there's more to it, I think, than that, right? There's the second well, they, second bathroom is right here. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they get to meet and greet you. What right? does that mean, what greet? Is, you're gonna have to have a full on conversation. I don't have to do anything. Wow. What do you mean I have to have a full on conversation? The paper says. Oh, the paper says it. I guess you're right. Yeah. Get every week, yeah. Every week we give away these uh, VIP prizes. They include live event experiences, celebrity meet and greets like this one, Meany and Rosenberg, signed memorabilia concert tickets, and more. So once again, this week, a lucky 77 WABC VIP member will be chosen to receive a WABC studio tour and meet and greet with me, Sid Rosenberg, and the program director, Matt Meany. It's a very lucky fan. Very lucky. Yeah. We should add very in there. You're going to be here, too. I do not want to meet anyone. Please don't make me meet anyone. It's okay. actually not in the script, so I don't have to. You won't even call my son, and my son loves oh you when he's God, an angel. Are you going to play basketball with Gabe? Do you promise? Yeah. You swear? Swearing is a lot. I will commit to this statement. Well, thank you. Sign up for 77 WABC's VIP Club by downloading the app or by going to wabcradio.com slash VIP. You'll also receive a special members-only newsletter and be automatically entered for a chance to win each week's 77 WABC VIP prize Become a 77 WABC VIP like me. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
Once again, thanks to a Frank Seller. Make sure you listen every Wednesday for the Tunnel to Towers update. So every now and then when I've got a live in-studio guest, I'll ask them, what's your favorite song? Because music is so important to our show. So Elizabeth Pipko has been a good friend of mine for many, many years, and she's a knockout. She's gorgeous. She's a model. And I'm expecting she's going to go, I don't know, give me, um, I don't know, some uh, weekend song or Michael Jackson or Push Push in the Bush. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you have a God bless America? But that goes to show you the uh, the great American first and also a, a great Jewish lady. Very few people I know, Dove Heikind and others, stand up for Jewish people more than Liz. So well, here she is live in studio, spends most of her time in Boca Raton, Florida, but a lot of time here in New York City as well, my friend Elizabeth Pipko. Good morning, Liz. Good morning, Sid. Thanks for having Good me. Good to see you. You too. Many years ago. When I first got to know you, I got a buddy named Steve Zemack. He was my producer down in Florida in Boca Raton. He's a huge fan of yours. Knows he was a model, the whole Boca thing. And I think he booked you on my show many years ago. So I came into New York, and you were having this huge event. You had this website back then, Jews who left the Democrat Party. Okay. So you have this huge event, and I show up. You're not going to believe this. That was the first time I ever met John and Margot Katsimatidis, in a social setting. They had just bought the station. I barely knew them. I thought they didn't even like me, to be honest. So they showed up. Andrea, the beautiful daughter, she was there. And Lara Trump actually spoke that night. That was a great event. It was. Thank you. So you're saying all credit goes to me. All credit goes to you. show and everything Yes. Else. <laughs> you actually started the whole beautiful relationship between me and the Katsimatidis family. Who knew that night? Now, now, that group that you were with back then, is that still around or is that over? Um, it's not around right now. It was part C3 nonprofit, part political uh, organization. We shut it down after the 2020 election, but I am very excited to relaunch the nonprofit arm very soon. Now, this is uh, it's a new Holocaust education project you're doing now as well. And again, there you are for the Jewish people, upset with Jewish people who voted for Democrats. Now a new Holocaust education project. I got to tell you, Liz, my 14-year-old son, Gabriel, goes to school here in New York City. Every day, what does he learn about? Slavery, slavery, blah, blah, blah. I go, have you learned about Pearl Harbor? No. Do they teach you about 9-11? No. The Holocaust, World War II, nothing. So tell me about this education project you want to launch. Yeah, so like you were saying, we are in a really rough time in our country. Kids are not learning what they need to learn. And I was actually inspired to start this because I was having 
a conversation with a few teenage girls about 10 years younger than me who had never heard of the Holocaust. They never heard of it? Never now, heard of it. Was this in Boca? This was in Florida, yes. So all Jewish people in Boca. One of them was actually Jewish. And still had no idea. Had no idea. Oh. So I thought, okay, people are being very innovative these days. People are launching amazing things. I need to do the same because this cannot continue. Wow. Now, are you being helped by AJ or uh, Larry? This is just you. This is, this just, is you. just me. It's non-political, and I am hoping this time the entire world will get involved. That's kind of the goal here. It's using decentralized technology to inspire people to get involved and basically preserve the materials of the Holocaust forever. Well, you say it's non-political, and, and this project is, but the truth is, is that it's the Democrats that continue to ruin our kids with nonsense. Education has become a huge issue. It really is a political issue because it's one party that continues to push, you know, CRT and not the Holocaust. Is that a fair criticism? I'd say it's very fair to say now everything is politicized. So though I don't want to blame anyone, I don't want to be political. Everything goes back to a certain person who ran in 2016. The country went crazy and nothing has been the same since. Are you you a big Donald Trump supporter back then? I don't remember. Yes, I worked on his 2016 campaign. I thought actually. you did. Okay. <laughs> of course, and Lara Trump was at that event that night. Are you still, a lot of folks that I know that love Donald are now distancing themselves from him. Oh, I like Ryan DeSantis, and you live in Florida. I like DeSantis, I like Trump's policies, but Trump's a little bit on the other side now. How do you feel about the president? I will give you the least political answer possible. Okay. Getting to know him and his family they have been the kindest people in the entire world. I truly feel bad for people that read the headlines and don't get to know them. And it's it's very hard to turn your back on someone after this long and how close we are. So, are you still tight with Lara, with his daughter-in-law? Yes. You yes. are. Okay, very tight. Okay. Uh, he's supposed to join me tomorrow on this show, so we'll find out. I've been talking to his comms people for the last couple of days. We'll see. I'm still a Trump guy, even though he's had a rough couple of weeks. But uh, nevertheless, so when do you expect this Holocaust education project to start? Uh, so we launched yesterday. Actually, very excited. Oh, you did? I did. But basically, the goal is that we are just the platform, and we're providing something for the entire world to get involved with. So though we exist, and I'm handling the tech part behind the scenes, it actually is on the on the shoulders of the entire universe to make this happen, not on mine. That's kind of the special. Part. Now, how does this happen? Here you are once again, you know, very young, contemporary. You're a model. I've seen your magazine covers. They're beautiful. Uh, you know, you're you're about town. You go to all the hot places. How does somebody like that get so involved in something like this? Judaism, politics, how does that all happen? I'm curious. I think I'm fascinated goes, by yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. This goes back to you asking me what my favorite song is. And yes. you're saying, please play God Bless America <laughs> um, or America the Beautiful. Uh, my entire family, my parents included, escaped the former Soviet Union to come here to be proud Americans and proud Jews. I mean, they could not obviously be back there. And that is the biggest part of who I am, and it always, always will be. Wow, so they actually uh, ran from there and, and made it here. In fact, you know, I think the first time I met you, now that I think about it, was not at your event, but at a big Queens event for the Republican Party. Eric Ulrich, Joanna Ariola, those folks, that's when I met you for the first time, right? Yes, this was a long time ago. I don't remember anything, but very <laughs> possible. <laughs> you don't remember any of it? Not a lot of sleep that uh, okay. year, no. Are you a big Ron DeSantis fan down in the state of Florida? I will say this. I have become very non-political in the last few years. It's kind of why I'm doing this. I'm a big fan of America and Judaism and my values, and I will support whoever Now, what us. happened that uh, all of a sudden you become so uh, non-political? Because you were really knee-deep in all that stuff. Again, I saw you at a Queens Republican Party. What happened that you decided to move away from that? Was it affecting your career, modeling, acting opportunities, that type of thing? So I'd say, A, yes, it's always going to affect my career, though. So this, this is on the Internet forever, so I own it. 
Um, however, I think it's it's really important to realize that our issues right now are a lot deeper than politics, and those that I believe might not agree with me are doing that because we see America differently and religion differently. So I think it comes down to fixing that aspect of our country first before just talking about politicians. All right, I do want to get with you about the Kanye West stuff yes. and uh, all the craziness that surrounded that. And, of course, while we're talking about the Holocaust and Judaism, he became the face of Jewish hate, which I think he deserves. So you've got a lot more to cover here, plus your modeling career, all that fun stuff. We will take a, a short break. The lovely Elizabeth Pipko is in studio. Once again, her new Holocaust education project is up and running. Congratulations on that. Thank I love you, that. We'll talk more to Liz Pipko on Sitting Friends in the morning. But first, some more Ray Charles. From C- WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Well, she's all you'd ever want. She's the kind I'd like to flaunt and take to dinner. But she always knows her place. She's got style, she's got grace, she's a winner. She's a lady, all right. Elizabeth Pipko live in studio with me, Sid Rosenberg. Don't forget, coming up at 840, Peter King, 905, famous attorney Alan Dershowitz, 925, the writer, creator, director, and star of Gravesend. We're about to release season two. I've got a big role in that. Willie DeMayo will be here, too. But Liz Pipko is back with us, and she has launched a brand-new Holocaust education project. What are the websites for that, Liz? Yeah, so the official website is lestpeopleforget.com because we are the Lest People Forget Project. But you can also find us at educatekanye.com. I love that one. You got that done, Educate I Kanye? I did, Educate Yay or brilliant. Educate Kanye. That is brilliant. My friend Lori <laughs> out in New Jersey, big real estate lady, just asked for the website because people do want to help already, believe it or not. Thank you. And you mentioned uh, Educate Kanye. Kanye, of course, uh, has really had a rough couple of months. He's become the face of Jewish hate. It was unfortunate. He ended up in Mar-a-Lago, the whole dinner thing with Trump. Don't go there. I go there. Um, but he, he has really been the face of anti-Semitism. What are your thoughts on him? Were you a fan of his at one point? Where are you now with Kanye West? Yeah, I was the biggest fan of Kanye. No, you weren't. I was. That's why I'm so sad. Oh. I'm a fan of him and Kim. But his music I've loved for years. It helped me get over quite a few things. Truly one of my favorite artists. So this was... Wait, wait a second. Give me a Kanye West song that helped you get over uh, so, something in your life. I'm curious. Actually, when my grandfather died, I was just hysterical. It was years and years ago. But Kanye came out with a song called Only One about his mother who had passed three days later. And I listened to that song on repeat for probably a month. Truly the only way I got to the funeral and anything else. No kidding. Yeah, I've just loved all his music. So this is quite devastating. Now, now you you seem to be the type of lady that would be hanging out in that Kim Kardashian circle. I know you have the same friends. Do you know Kim? Um, I've been in a room with her once. Once. I am not lying when I say I almost peed myself. So... I, I truly am a fan. It's that bad. She's the so only am person. I. Who's so am that. I. I mean, people who, who who trash her because she made a sex tape and her she's silly and she's stupid and her show. I got to tell you, 
Anybody who makes that amount of money, anybody who enjoys that type of success, they have figured it out. And by the way, the work she did with Alice Johnson and President Trump, she should be congratulated every day. I agree. I had dinner with Alice Johnson in the White House once and sat there in tears listening to her story. Kim is one of my favorite people and hopefully does not take a turn like Kanye no, did. She I will she support she her won't. forever. Oh, so you met Alice Johnson. I did a few times. You, yes. you like have an unbelievable story here. <laughs> Yet I, mean, I you sit never home believe this. 24/7. I mean, seriously, you, you met Alice Johnson. You're at the White House. You, you, you know, this one. And, the, and then last year, I'm on Instagram. And uh, you and I are friends for a long time on Instagram. And uh, Harper's Bazaar pops up. The very famous magazine, Harper's Bazaar. And who's on the cover? You. And you look magnificent, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, it was one of the international editions. I believe it was Harper's Bazaar Vietnam. One of the greatest moments of my career and probably my life. Wow. Yeah. Now, you've done many magazine covers before that. I have. Harper's, obviously, much like Vogue, very big deal. Have That's not a big one. yet been on Vogue. But, no, Harper's was amazing, and I still look at it on days when I you do, not right? having a good you know, morning. It's funny you yes. say that, because I've done uh, two magazine covers. I have to make it about me. You understand that, Liz. <laughs> and uh, I know you always like my stuff on there, yes, too. Always. And And uh, I'm not nearly as beautiful as you are, but I go back every now and then. I look at it myself, because to me, it's surreal that I even made a magazine cover at the age of 55. But you've done this before, so you want Vogue. What else do you want? Any other magazine you want to end up on? I think just Vogue, just but Vogue. I'm grateful every time I'm featured anywhere. Are you mad that, in the end, Melania Trump, one of the most beautiful women in the world, never graced a cover of any major magazine when she was the first lady, yet dopey Jill Biden was on a magazine month one? <laughs> I, I think it's very weird. I mean, you can hate... You know, his policies all you want. I totally understand this is America, but no one can deny that she's stunning. She also had a career as a model, right. and every first lady has done it. So I feel like it was common sense. I truly don't know what happened there, and they, they really missed out. Now, you don't act, do you? I do not. I've wanted to get into it, though. You do. So right now, what do you consider yourself? Are you a a uh, advocate for the Jewish people? Are you a model? What exactly? The, the, the sentence one for Liz Pipko, you're what? Oh, Lord. Um, I'd say model, graduate student, athlete, activist for the Jewish people, and probably... Now, athlete, things. what sport did you play in? in um, I've been a figure skater for oh, much you, of my you life. You look like a figure skater. Thank you. So, now, but you live in Boca. Not a lot of outdoor figure skating. I actually <laughs> moved to Florida at 10 because we found incredible Olympic-level coaches who would train me in Is Florida. Is that right? Yeah. They See, have... I know about Balotelli for tennis, even uh, Macy for tennis, mm-hmm. but figure skating in Florida. There's actually would... more in Florida, and I'd say California, than almost anywhere else. No kidding. Mm-hmm. You know the guy that owns the Florida Panthers... The professional hockey team in Sunrise is one of the most successful New York guys ever, Vinny Viola. Yep. Do you know Vinny? Uh, I've met him. I used to compete well, of course you've met at him. What, 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 kind of, what, kind of, what kind of question is that? <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's met everybody. Vinny Viola, Donald <laughs> Trump, Kim Vinny. Kardashian, Vinny Viola. He owns Vinny the Panthers. Viola. Yeah, he owns the Panthers. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're a figure skater, model, uh, advocate. What was? Uh, now, you do want to act. Who do you want to talk to? What do you want to be in? I can help you with that. I don't know. You tell me. I'll I'm... talk to whoever you want me to talk to. <laughs> How do you envision yourself? Uh, like, like a mob movie? A, uh, what, what would you I like? I have to... always wanted to be a Bond girl. Always wanted to be yes. a Bond girl. Like, are they still doing James Bond? They, I thought... They're much worse now. Yeah. But anything in that realm. You, you could be like a, a Bond girl. A new female Thank Bond. You. A new female Bond? I'm not yeah. a big fan of that. We already had that. What's her name did something like that? Um, uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Viola didn't she? Davis. Who was that? Viola Davis? I might have my sources mixed up. I don't know. Not even close. Don't they want uh, James Bond to be a black woman now? I think they do, yeah. Is that like a thing? And gay. 
Well, of course. Right, of course. No, I think if Liz walks in, it's going to be. I don't done, know. It's going to be a done deal. I don't it's know. Liz, be... Liz is white and Jewish. As beautiful as she is, she's white and Jewish. That's two strikes against she's her. No right Viola there. Davis. Okay. <laughs> it might have yeah. to be a different. You know matter. what I'm saying? She's not yeah. striking out yet. That's all. <laughs> Do they have a Holocaust museum down in Boca? They don't. They right? don't. No. Do they have anything that uh, that uh, goes back to the Holocaust? Because here in New York, they got a lot of stuff here. Obviously. Yeah, New York is amazing. DC is amazing. Obviously, right. Israel and a lot of international. Um, places. I'm sure they have museums in Florida with small Holocaust exhibits, but yeah. nothing dedicated to it. Now, what about the education down there? I, I did notice in, when Avon gave with children, they did learn about a lot of the things that they don't learn about here in New York. Is that the same? You know, a lot of people complain in Florida or not really? Not really. Luckily, yeah. I grew up here in New York, but I was told education down in Florida is actually severely behind New it, York. It is? That's what I was told. I don't think so. But maybe times have changed, and it's gotten they have worse changed. everywhere. I think it has, because I think my kids were smarter in Florida. They came here, and uh, New York is uh, is very, very rough. So what's, uh, what's on the horizon next? You're going back to Florida later on today. you got the website is now launched. Good to go. Yes. Once again, give those two addresses. Yeah, it's lestpeopleforget.com or, of course, educatekanye.com. And are you, are you accepting donations? or How does that work so with those websites? So we're not. Actually, um, the one place that people can contribute, basically the goal for – there's a few steps on there people can do. But one of them is keeping the decentralized domain up long after we're gone, and that takes a contribution. But – Basically, it does not go to me. It goes through the website, so it lasts forever. All the steps are on there. Lestpeopleforget.com. Shouldn't be super complicated. Are I you hope. disheartened by the amount of anti-Semitism in the country? Here in New York, for example, the numbers are out of control. I've got dope hiking Don Liz every week because some other Jewish person gets beat up in the streets, usually by a black person. Yes, I said it because that's just a fact. Are you disheartened by that? Um, yeah, my... My entire family, like I said, escaped the Soviet Union to come here so their future children, grandchildren could be proud Jews and walk openly with, you know, a kippah on or whatever we wanted. Right. Um, again, David on our neck. And that is obviously not very safe anymore. It's not possible for But many. not where you live. Like you can walk down Glade Road. You can, <laughs> you can go up to uh, Palm Beach and yeah. no one's going to beat you up, right? I mean, you can do whatever you want in Florida. Yeah, but there's yeah. actually some very scary, random, like, white supremacist rallies that well, you'll in see. My, with and, and I know in Miami, every mm-hmm. now and then, there are rabbis that have been through some, some pretty serious stuff in Miami. But right. when you go north, Palm Beach County, where you live, for example, Boca, Palm Beach, no issues. Until you go a little more north, end up in Stewart or Jupiter, or four peers, then you got issues. <laughs> yeah, I think people look for like the very Jewish communities, and they like to you know show their swastikas yeah, over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a mess. Well, it's great to see you. Congratulations on this uh, new Holocaust project, on all the modeling, Harper's Bazaar. That's great. And uh, you know, I love you. And keep coming back and have a safe trip home. We'll do it again very soon. Thank you. Thank you. There she is, folks. Elizabeth Pitko. Check her out on Instagram and help her with these websites. Once again, educating folks about the Holocaust. Still lots more to come, including Congressman Peter King at 840. Once again, attorney Alan Dershowitz at 905. Actor, writer, creator, director Willie DeMeo at 925. And Sid's take, thanks to Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers, comes your way at 940. The Hump Day Wednesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Keep it right here at Talk Radio 77 WABC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From my friends. 77 WABC. New York Congressman George Santos has been appointed to the Small Business and Science Committees in Congress as he continues to reject calls to resign. CBS 2's Jennifer McLogan tells us there's a new request for a federal probe. Claiming George Santos is a danger to our democracy and national security, Democratic Congressman Richie Torres and concerned citizens of the 3rd District met in Great Neck demanding a federal election commission investigation. Where did all the money come from? The NYPD officer is home from the hospital after getting shot on the job. And police are still searching for two suspects. Police say the bullet narrowly missed a vital artery, but the officer is expected to make a full recovery. We're told he and his partner were patrolling an area that's known for gun violence when they were caught in not one, but two shootings. We had to retrain cops as to why should you always shoot for de with deadly force? The fact is, if you need to use your weapon, you don't have to do that. That was good stuff, Liz Pipko. I promised, I promised uh, Lou that you'd enjoy that guest, and you uh, seem to really enjoy that guest. She is not only beautiful; she's so nice, very and very smart, nice. Too. Yeah, yeah, refreshing. Very refreshing. Refreshing that she's so involved. Yeah, in I know. And in in important stuff. stuff, right? Really good stuff. Yes. Right out there defending the Jewish religion. Yeah. I uh, wish you guys talked about me like this. What's that? No, what? no one's ever going to talk to you like about you like Why? this. No. Is it because I'm not uh, a model? Yeah, you could be. I think I could be. I think it could be, too. I, I could just... model, like, hands or Did something. Did you see his new tattoo? No. Completely oh. covering his all the way down. Is that true? Yeah, it's... No. Like... no it's, it's, it's long. No, 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 no. Usually you only have tattoos on your knees, those stupid-looking bugs. Now you got ones on your arms, too? It's also a bug. Tattoos are gross. You look stupid. You're going to be 60 years old on the beach with loose skin somewhere. And <laughs> yeah, well, I'm looking be, like an idiot. I'm going to look, look bad at 60 anyway. I might as well, you know, add on to it. I know, but I mean, the, the whole tattoo, I never understood the whole tattoo thing. It, it doesn't look good. It just doesn't. Well, and, uh, it never, it nev it's like a bad tweet. It never ages well, ever. <laughs> nope. I mean, I see these wow. people in Florida on the beach, they, the 60-year-old ladies, it, you, you look dirty. It just it looks dirty. I don't. I can't explain. Yeah, it looks it. like it came out of a biker bar. Basically, yeah, clean. yeah. Like you, you smell or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I look too clean to begin with. Though. So you'll never be a model, and you're not that smart, and you're you're, you're kind of nasty. What else is there? 
There's got to be more negative things, right? No, but you're brilliant. You're perfect for this show. Oh, so awesome. Please stay with me forever. <laughs> but don't ever compare yourself to Liz. She's like a she's like a ray of sunshine. She walks in. She's like Luke said, gorgeous and brilliant and yeah. doing important stuff. And I feel like I, I check most of those boxes. No, you don't do anything. Impo- you don't do anything important. No. I can't think of one important thing you do with your whole life. Would you say ray oh of God. sunshine and Phil in the same? <laughs> I mean, never. <laughs> Hi, that's fair. No. I don't really check that box. No. But the brilliant. Uh, oh. Gorgeous, you know, all the, the other room, things. Yeah. Oh, Important wow. Go to uh, educatekanye.com. I put a picture up of uh, Liz if you want to see. You know, we took some pictures smiling, and then she said Kim Kardashian told her, don't ever smile when you take a picture because then the wrinkles come out. So then I took a picture with her, and I didn't smile, and it looked stupid. I no, do. And that's, <laughs> I hate the way I look. And by the way, that theory is ridiculous. Well, she doesn't have a wrinkle on her face anyway. No, I do. I'm right. old. But people look good when they smile. I know. That's, that's the thing. Well, I posted a picture without a smile, and I hate the way I look, but it's fine. You're, she looks great. You look great. You could be a model. You and, <laughs> yeah. you and Phil. I am a model. Right? I've already graced two covers, two magazines. <laughs> Right, and your book a mattress magazine. <laughs> no, calm down, real oh, magazines, wow. real magazines, wow. tough guy. <laughs> go to a, at Rosenberg Sydney on my Instagram at Rosenberg Sydney, my Facebook page, and check out Liz Pipko. It's always cool when I can tag other people. So, like for hers, I got to tag Kimberly Gilfoyle, Larry Trump. Very, very, very cool stuff. All right, uh, the, the story about the. Um, you know, the whole document thing with Joe Biden, that is not going away anytime soon. And anytime we've got Corinne Jean-Pierre, you know, they call her, uh, who's this girl back there again? Uh, every morning I see her. Is that Jackie again? Yes, it's Jackie. It's yeah. Jackie every morning. Every morning she I see hi. Jackie. Yeah. KJP. That's what we call her now. And uh, they ask her questions and she has no answers. It's stupid. But uh, here she was asked, it wasn't even Peter Ducey. It was some reporter about the alleged fake GOP outrage over the document scandal. And here is KJP's answer. Lou Rapino, cut number eight. The White House says Republicans are faking outrage on this issue. Why shouldn't Americans be outraged about classified documents being found in a garage? Look, And I think I've been very clear about this. We have answered questions on this at this podium. You've heard, as Phil was saying twice from the president, talk about this. He said that he didn't know, right? He said that he was surprised, and he said that he takes classified information and documents very, very seriously. We heard directly from the president on this issue. Now, anything else, anything beyond that, uh, we're just not going to talk about. There's an investigation going on. There's a legal process here, as we've been very, very clear about. Uh, I will let the White House counsel uh, talk about any specific details uh, about that. Uh, but we're going to be prudent here and make sure that we are not uh, interfering in this process. There you have it. Uh, she goes on to talk uh, about the lawyers. The lawyers. Why did the lawyers call the White House first? and not the DOJ. This is Corrine Jean-Pierre, cut number nine. The first call that the president's personal attorneys made on November 2nd was not to the FBI that they had found what we now know were top secret documents out in the open. The first call was to officials here at this White House in the West Wing. How is that the right thing? Isn't that the right thing when you see some, if you're a lawyer and you don't have a security clearance and you see a classified document, shouldn't you call the Justice Department's National Security Office right away? Again, I'm going to refer you to the White House Counsel's Office. That is something for them to answer. That is a very specific question uh, that they should answer that they will engage you with. 
Well, so then some reporter asked her if the imbecile in chief is actually like physically rummaging through the garbage and all the boxes to see what documents he has. This is uh, cut number 12, Lou Rufino. Is he physically joining in the search of these things, rummaging around, you know, these boxes in the garage and wherever else? I mean, literally? Are you, are you, are you listening to your, the question that you're asking me? Look, I mean, okay, look, look, I'm going to be very consistent here. Uh, I am going to be very clear here, uh, as I have been for the past couple of days. Or no, you have not been now, clear once. Uh, dealing with this. You know, we are going to any specific questions that you have about this issue. I would refer you to my colleagues at the White House Counsel's Office who spent almost an hour taking these questions from all of you, many of your colleagues. I'm going to let you ask that question to the White House Counsel's Office. Uh, and How's anything this else specific to this, you I got refer it? you to Department of Justice. Enough, I refer you to so now you get the uh, you get Republicans, you get Democrats, both talking about this. Let's start with a good friend of mine out of the great state of Ohio. And he says, hey, man, American people, we want to know what's going on here. This is my friend Jim Jordan, cut number 16 why they initially discovered this, why they went looking in the first place, why was it his lawyers packing boxes? I think there are all kinds of questions. I, I don't know that we know the answer to that, but I think the American people are entitled to the answers to those questions, particularly in light of what happened 91 days before the midterm election, when, Mr. when, when President Trump's home was raided. That, that was right. information the country had all kinds of access to, but not this. Here's a Democrat out of South Carolina, James Claiborne. This is courtesy of NBC News, and he talks about the president being honest. Cut number 13. Just to be open and honest, uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, it's very easy to explain uh, that you're moving out of an office uh, and things like this uh, sometimes happen. Uh, just let the uh, investigation uh, go its way. But, of course, there's no political story. There's none. If, in fact, the morons at The View don't discuss it, it doesn't exist unless we get some type of commentary from Whoopi Goldberg, another anti-Semite, by the way, Joy Behar, and or Sonny Hostin. So they talked about the Biden document scandal yesterday, mostly Joy Behar. I mean, these are, why? Why? why, 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 why? I, 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 I say why. I understand They've got a big audience. Now, Bill O'Reilly gets mad at me. What do you mean big? A couple of million people. they got a big audience. All these ladies that stay home during the day and men that aren't working, they watch these hags. That's what they are. They're just hags, all of them. Wretched wenches. They almost called the show that, actually. Yeah, they should have called it that. Hags. Hags on the view. Anti-Semites and hateful Americans, but... <laughs> I think they were worried the ratings wouldn't be good for that. I used to say, you know... What do you think they want? Meet the press? But then I watch my friend Chuck Todd and meet the press, and I can't stand him either. Personally, I love him, but his politics are dreadful. And these ladies are every bit as bad. They're worse. So here it is. You want it, you got it. The view on the document scandal. This is cut number 19. There also has been, I mean, I, I love Joe Biden, and no, I no, want I to clear this because I yeah. know there's a difference between what he did and what Trump did. Mm-hmm. No, a lot of people don't and will not ever know it no. because of the, of the way it's covered. Or they, and people but, who don't want to know are not going to, you know what I mean? People who, do, no. who want to believe that he that it's a, that they did the same thing and it's equal, yeah. that's the same. But, but it w- uh, would have been helpful for Joe Biden mm-hmm. when it first came out to say, you know, and we have Joe tape Biden. of Joe, mm-hmm. Joe Biden saying yeah. that, that Trump did something stupid and 
shouldn't have done it and it was bad. Well, he should have said, you look, I know I look hypocritical in that tape. Yes. I'm sorry about that. I didn't know about this. Now that I know it, I will do what I can to uncover this. I mean, he should be speaking to the American people or else just act like a Republican and say it's a witch hunt. (laughs) (laughs) And let's fire Merrill Garland. We know he won't do that. And he did call Trump careless um, with these documents. And I think it would go a long way for him to also say, and and I was careless, and so we need to not Mm -hmm. only review these documents, we need to review the processes that are in place. Well, that too, yeah. That last lady was the best one. If you said what Trump did was careless, then you have to admit what you did was careless as well. But what do you expect from Joe Biden when he's got the Golden State Warriors, who just won the NBA championship this year at the White House, and anybody who follows the NBA knows they've got three guys who are their three stars, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson. And only this president can forget the name of one of the three when, in fact, he's celebrating that team's championship like Joe Biden did just yesterday. Cut number four. Reimagine the team around the big three, Steph, Draymond, and, uh, and Kyle. Well, you guys are incredible. <laughs> <laughs> the Biden cut page is overflowing. Steph, That's, Draymond, Steph, and... <laughs> He tries to, he veers off when he really... No, he just, yeah, he just, he does, he veers off. Like he thinks people heard the name. Right, he did the same thing with the happy birthday thing to uh, Martin Luther King's uh, uh, wife or whoever it was, some relative of Martin Luther King. He tried to sing her happy birthday a couple of days ago. He did the same thing, he just stripped it off. I think he said Valerie or something, I don't even know what the hell he said. But it was kind of the same thing if you still have that, I don't know. He did the same thing, he just, he... You know, stop and uh, Draymond. (laughs) That great threesome of the Golden State Warriors, uh, of which I forgot one of the three names. So, you know, my wife, Jill, she tells me uh, on birthdays I should sing happy birthday. So I'm going to sing a happy birthday to someone, but I don't know their name. Happy birthday to. All right, we'll take a uh, short break. When we get back, a lot more to do this hour, including the great Congressman Peter King. 905, famed attorney Alan Dershowitz. 925, the creator, writer, director, producer, and star of Gravesend, my good friend William DeMeo. 940, Sid's take on this epic Wednesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning, only right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
has it just begun? George Santos, a gift that keeps giving from me. I mean, this guy's gotten me in front of more people. Over 3 million views now on the tweet that went out from, uh, was it Patriot Takes, Phil? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Dave Portnoy, Barstool Sports, we tweeted it. I told you. Uh, this week, I've been uh, doing double duty, hosting this number one show, and then hosting, co-hosting, I should say, the afternoon number one show. And one thing about this radio station, and the reason why we've got great success is, and I give you a history lesson all the time because I know about radio, and you, you know, if you have good drive time shows, you're going to be in good shape. Yep. And if you've got great drive time shows, you're going to be in really good shape. And uh, I think Joe Nolan jumped in and said, yep. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, uh, he agrees. He did. So we have the bookends here with Sid in the morning and John Katsimatidis in the afternoon. And I've been honored to do both shows this week. And then we'll continue to do both shows the rest of the week. We'll be back with John this afternoon. And I was on with John and Craig Eaton yesterday. We had a bunch of good guests, you know. In fact, Alan Dershowitz was on with us. And he'll be on with me coming up at 9.05. And my wife, Danielle, is texting me. You're on Channel 5 right now. I said, why? Well, George Santos. Yesterday, the New York Post ran the story about the interview George did with me and Bernard. God rest his soul. I am coming live from the Bernard McGurk studio. They, they said it was sitting friends in the morning. In all fairness, it was Bernie and Sid. Bernie's uh, passed away now for months and months, and it's not fair. He was part of that conversation, so I'll say it. But they've been giving me all the pub, and, and uh, so I'm on Channel 5, and I'm doing the show with John. I go, Danielle, I love you, but I'm doing the show. And 10 minutes later, she goes, I'm in the lobby with Gabe. You're on CNN. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, the last couple of days, George Santos has done more for my exposure than anybody in my career. Anybody. But on a serious note, a lot of Republicans want us to leave this alone. Judge Jeanine Pirro, emphatic on this show yesterday with me and Andrew, that uh, we got to keep him there. Is he a liar? Sure. Is he a fraud? Sure. Is he a sociopath and a psychopath? Probably. But he's a Republican. <laughs> and at the end of the day, that's all we care about. We cannot afford to run a special election and have a Democrat take that seat. Politics is scary. Isn't it, bro? Seriously. That's, that's kind of scary. Yeah. Like, he could be all those things, but we need to see. We have to keep him. That's, <laughs> we got to keep him. That's a little terrifying. Yeah. But it's true, though. we got to keep him. Okay. Here is uh, Gregory Maury Parker. Gregory- <laughs> Phil did not agree with that. No, I mean, Phil makes a good point. It's terrifying. I, I don't get the whole, like, we need to keep it in our side. Like, I, you don't understand There's got to be another that? way you could, like, get I'm- another Republican in there or something. Like, well, Lee yeah, Zeldin I mean, you know, if, if Lee Zeldin would take the job, we would do it tomorrow. But there's a lot of risks involved here. Yeah, it's just it's a little scary to It to is very about. scary, yes. This is uh, Gregory Maury Parker a former roommate of George Santos. And, um, well, he doesn't believe any of this stuff. This is uh, cut number 18, Lewis. Where did all this money come from to finance the campaign? You know, his mother was um, a housekeeper in, in Manhattan, and it just didn't seem feasible for him supposedly to, to come from all this uh, generational wealth. See, that's what's going to end up taking George Santos down is the money. That's 700000 How did he get it? Where'd it go? Not even the lies. You know, I'm Jewish. I played volleyball. I went to Baruch. The countless lies 
that are turning into memes every day. Somebody, my friend, uh, the, the lovely Christian Lenzo from the Eastside Metropolitan Republican Club sent me a meme yesterday, and it was black and white picture of MLK speaking at the march in Washington, 1963, and they superimposed George Santos's picture there, and he said, I was at the march in, in 63. That's the type of stuff you're seeing every day. But the money thing, that's a serious issue. In fact, Rep. Richie Torres talked about this yesterday. How about a federal probe into where the money be? This is uh, cut number 17. Even more appalling and alarming than his personal and political deception is his financial deception. Where did all the money come from? Fair question. We're going to find out what's going on with uh, George Santos. Peter King doesn't like him, I can tell you that. And the great congressman will join us next. Three really good guests in a row. Peter King, former great congressman, Alan Dershowitz, big-time attorney, William DeMeo, writer, creator, director, star of Gravesend, my very first acting opportunity ever. Started shooting that two years ago with Andrew Dice Clay down in Miami playing the crime soldier Dave Busco. And finally, they dropped the trailer for season two yesterday, and it will be coming to a theater and a channel near you. We'll talk to Willie coming up. Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Night Fever. Ah, what a great movie, Saturday Night Fever. Folks, uh, thank you, Frank Siller. Make sure you're listening every Wednesday for the Tunnel to Towers update right here on Sit and Friends. Iguodala is still on the Warriors, but Biden didn't try to mention his name yesterday. There's There's a story in the New York Post right now that the photo opportunity after with the team, the Golden State Warriors, they asked Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to take a knee in the front. These are very tall ball players. Joe Biden had no issue doing it. Kamala Harris said, nope, I'm not doing it. So she did not take a knee. And it became like an ongoing fight, I guess, during the photo op. <laughs> well, that's that's interesting. Yep. Yep, yep. Check it out today's take New York a, Post. Take a knee, Jack. <laughs> I feel like there's a very easy joke to be made. Uh, I think so, too. And it goes back to the mayor of San Francisco, Willie Brown. Kamala Harris had no issue taking a knee then, did she? Oh. <laughs> that's the one that was. That, uh, there it is. I don't oh, want to say it. Oh. Hey, no. I don't have the hey, leeway no. you do. That's oh. why we're number one. <laughs> there she is. Yes, He is uh, the great congressman, Peter King. He's on this show every Wednesday. Have fun, congressman. <laughs> <laughs> At 840, he's a dear, dear friend of the Rosenberg family and a true American patriot. Peter King, good morning. How are you, pal? 
Sid, anytime I'm talking to you, things are great. Uh, thank you for saying that. Thank you. So, George Santos, you know the guy pretty well out there on right. Long Island. I don't, and, I don't but anyway. Yeah. Okay, but he's uh, along with Anthony yeah. D'Esposito. He's two, one of the two Long Island guys that won on that election day when we switched, flipped four seats. Right. Now the news story is, is that he took $3,000 from a disabled vet who actually raised that money on a GoFundMe page for his dying dog. Now, I don't know what's true and what's not anymore, whether it's Santos talking or people talking about him, but it's gotten really bad at this point, no? No, it really has. And you're right. No one knows what's true and what's not. I don't know if he knows what's true and what's not. No, and actually, uh, I wasn't trying to back away from knowing him. I only met him, I think, once or twice for about two minutes. And uh, But I, I, I do know people that have that dealt with him. And, again, his story was always changing. And uh, you know, looking back at it now, probably people should have been more suspicious. But, you know, using different names, different addresses, saying he was going to donate money but not doing it. And it was just this constant uh, uh, changing of identities, changing of his story. But, uh, yeah, everyone assumed, listen, the guy had gone to these uh, two schools. He's obviously a pretty smart guy. And uh, it turned out that everything was untrue. The guy is like a walking fraud. Really. <laughs> I tell you. It is you guys, you hung out with Brooklyn. <laughs> no, he was worse than even those guys. I mean, I've been, I've been um, told I exaggerate a little bit here and there. I've got friends who lie about stuff. But this guy's, this guy's outrageous. But I know you know this, Peter. People like Joe Janine Pirro on this show yesterday said, I don't care. Phil just said, this is why politics is so scary. Knowing full well the guy's a fraud, he's a liar, he may even be a criminal. And the thought is, I don't care because he's a Republican and we need that seat. What about that contention? Well, I hate to say this, but I agree with Phil. I mean, to me, it's, uh, it, it just, first of all, it looks bad, it is bad, and it just uh, is going to cause people to lose confidence in government. Listen, he's a bad guy. There's no way we can go after Hunter Biden and investigate him if we somehow cover up for George Santos. And I think it's just uh, that's, that's the moral reason. That's the ethical reason. But the political reason is, I can tell you, this is the issue on Long Island. We could end up losing all our Republican seats the next time around. Joe Cairo, the reason, apart from the uh, ethical point, the reason Joe Cairo came out so strong last week and demanding that Santos resign, we have all local elections coming up next year. We right. don't want to be the party of George. So, so to me, it's in the long run, the longer he's there and the longer Republicans don't try to remove him and uh, urge him to resign, then it's going to hurt us politically, apart from the fact that it just puts a cloud over everything we do. Macedonia, Phil, one of the greatest politicians in the history of New York just said, and I quote, I hate to th- say this, but I agree with Phil. It's been a long time coming, but I'm making my uh, name felt in the political field. It's happening. <laughs> It's going to happen. That run for president is becoming realistic. I think you probably get a job in the Biden cabinet soon. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, my resume is a little more uh, solid than George It is. You lie less than George Santos. So you just made the kids' day, Peter. How about that? Uh, Macedonia, Bill, he's so happy. Look at him. Peter King agreed with me, yes. Uh, but, but you're both right. I mean, it's just uh, it's terrifying. So what do you think ends up happening here? Criminal investigation. He's forced to leave because right now Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans – they're not really kicking them out. Long Island, yes, but not down in D.C. Yeah, in fact, not at all. In fact, he got two committee assignments yesterday. He's going to be on the Small Business uh, Committee. Got those business. Whoa, 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 whoa. So, 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 so on, so on a second. You're telling me that not only was he allowed to be sworn in, but he's now on two committees? The Small Business Committee and the uh, Science and Space Committee. 
Uh, maybe it's because they think he believe, you know, belongs out in that space somewhere. <laughs> but I mean, really, I mean, I mean, just imagine being at those hearings. I mean, he's actually going to be asking witnesses questions. He's going to be demanding they answer. Uh, he's going to be at uh, meetings where they, you know they're given information. Well, but, how, but but how do they do that now? Now I don't know how this thing works. I mean, if you're sworn in, uh, do you automatically end up on some committee? How, how do you give this guy that responsibility? No. Uh, in fact, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene was not on any committees the last two years. Uh, it's, it's up to the uh, leader of, of, of the party. Uh, he uh, decides, you know, which. Uh, but it's called a steering committee. But the uh, you know, the leader decides who's going to go on which, which committees. And then this time around, though, Kevin McCarthy is, and I don't blame him for this. He is not going to allow Nancy Pelosi to put uh, Omar on the Foreign Affairs Committee or Swalwell and Schiff on the Intelligence Committee. So Kevin's saying they don't deserve to be on those committees. I agree. But how then can we be putting Santos on a committee if we're saying that uh, Omar can't? I mean, uh, to me, uh, we're, we're hurting, uh, we're undercutting our, our, our case. We're undercutting our moral position here. And so, Santos, what's going to happen to him? I think basically uh, he's going to be sort of shunned down there. But on the other hand, he's going to become a celebrity at the same time. Uh, and uh, what they have to do is they have to call for an ethics investigation right away. You can't slow walk this thing. Don't have a, a uh, uh, rush to justice, but don't slow walk it. Get the mm-hmm. Ethics Committee. And I think what they will do is you can't throw a guy out for what he did before he went to Congress. But on the other hand, he is, it looks to me as if you file false reports, financial reports. I mean, he still is not accounted for the 700 grand that he donated to his campaign. You have to account for all that. He hasn't done it. I, that, I think, is where the... Uh, if, if there is going to be a crime, that's where it's going to be. And uh, that would be, to me, enough to uh, remove him from Congress. But they have to move forward on this, and they should not, not have on committees. They should say until the Ethics Committee completes its investigation, which we are demanding start right away, until then he can't be on any committees because there's so many allegations against him which go right to the heart of who he is or what he is, and can he be trusted? I mean, how can you give this guy any information at all? whether it's, uh, again, on science or technology, whether it's on uh, small businesses. I mean, you are, I'm not saying it's all national security stuff, but you are told things uh, and uh, you, uh, other people can fight in you when you're on these committees. Uh, I, you, know, you trust him? I mean, God knows what he's doing. He's, uh, his whole life is a fraud. I've never known anyone whose entire life was a fraud. I mean, everything that we learned about him that he said turns out to be untrue. Except for those two knee replacements you got for him, said after he broke. I tell you what else is true. He is sworn in as a legitimate member of Congress and now on two committees. That is all true. Pete will come back and move from Long Island to D.C. Discuss the latest with Joe Biden. The documents. Is the president in peril? Michael Goodwin seems to think so. What does Peter King think? We'll take a short break. Bee Gees and more of Sid right after this. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. So the Sid Rosenberg, George Santos <laughs> machine continues. Matt Meany just told me I was just on Good Morning America. That's as big as it gets. Justin Ellick is efforting the sound right now. So 
This is unbelievable what this guy's done for me. So we'll get that sound for you. Good morning, America, with me and George Santos this morning. But welcoming in uh, Peter King here every Wednesday at 840. We had the Santos discussion. Let's move to the president. Before you get to that, I just tell one story. Every uh, a few months, I get together with guys I knew from high school in Brooklyn. Yeah. And uh, last week, we're sitting around, and there's two retired cops there. And suddenly, they start talking about you and the Gemini Lounge. They knew all about it from years ago when they were cops. They follow you. And so that became like a, a, a half-hour discussion. And then your friend Melissa Zim was there. She joined <laughs> in with stories about Sid. So suddenly, this reunion lunch turned into a Sid Rosenberg conversation. I felt like getting up and leaving. I don't need this. I saw the picture of you and all the guys, and you sent me the text. And it's funny because Feb 13 is the actual screening for Gemini Lounge, which I did shoot in Los Angeles last March. And now, yesterday, they dropped the season two trailer of Gravesend, the creator of that, William DeMeo. It's coming on at 925. So my acting career has started to take off just a little bit. But that was cool, that picture of, of all your buddies there, Peter, and guys that actually follow my career and the Gemini Lounge. But I do want to get to the, yeah, uh, sure. the, the document scandal. And uh, every day, much like uh, me and Santos in a different newspaper every day, now we're getting more documents every day, new locations. And, you know, more and more. And uh, now you're getting people like Joy Behar on The View and and even James Claiborne saying, well, it's in the president's best interest to be honest. Don't do what Donald Trump did. Blah, blah, blah. Truth is, they did the same exact thing. They're not the only two guys to ever do it. But the media really and not just the media, the DOJ, Merrick Garland, the FBI really vilified Donald Trump and Biden. eh, No big deal. You noticing that? Oh, that is total, total hypocrisy. And this is a, a scandal, if we want to call it that, that Joe Biden has really created himself. If they come out in November and say, listen, we, uh, moving from office to office, we found these uh, documents. We immediately notified the Justice Department. We had uh, security clearance lawyers come in, examiner. Here's the whole story. Here's everything. And if that was it, I think it could have been a one, a two-day story. Because, again, my understanding is that other presidents have done this but they account for it right away. In this case, the story changes every, every day. And they must have known that after what happened with Trump, that the media, even if they are corrupt and biased, they have to follow the story after all was said about Trump. So this to me is, they are really the gang that can't shoot straight down there in the White House. They have made this a lasting issue. I really think if they had said, uh, done everything they had to do within 10 days, get everything out there, say, here it is. And we're asking Congress also to come in and look at it to make sure we've done it the right way. Instead, you have that uh, Jean-Pierre, whatever her name is, coming out every day. Uh, this is an investigation. There's the process. I can't tell you anymore. All I know is we've told you everything, and the next day you should tell us something else. I mean, it's just, uh, <laughs> this is a, it would be a comedy of errors if we weren't talking about the president of the United States. You mentioned the gang that couldn't shoot straight. That's a funny reference. Your friend and mine, Kevin Breslin, the son of the late, great Jimmy Breslin, works out with me in Rockway. I know you know that, Peter, and he comes up to me all the time and talks about you. He actually left me two weeks ago at the front desk an original copy, like his father's actual book of the gang that couldn't shoot straight, that he wrote about the Gallo brothers all the way back in the 1970s. It was so cool. And Kevin's a great kid, a Democrat who's turned into a big Sid Rosenberg fan. Uh, Last one, the mayor, Eric Adams, did finally go down to the border. He is just about ready to name Biden. He says the federal government screwed up here. So he's starting to get very close to outing some of the big names in the Democrat Party. Your thoughts on Adams' visit to El Paso? 
Yeah, that's what he has to do. He's saying more and more the right thing. Going down to the border was a great demonstration. But now he has to follow through. It's not just enough to blame Washington. It's Joe Biden. It's the Biden administration. This would not be happening if we're not uh, for Joe Biden. Now, things happen in politics. They go bad, they go wrong, and it's beyond your control. This was a crisis caused by one person, by Joe Biden, basically opening the borders, not knowing what to do next. And we're getting overwhelmed here in New York. Think of what's happening in the small uh, cities along the border, what's happening in Chicago. Now, things were bad enough before this, but now to have 40,000 people coming in that we don't have the funding for, we, that we can't accommodate, it's unfair to them, it's unfair to us, and it's Joe Biden's fault. And just like in Albany, it's Kathy Hochul's fault, it's our bail reform. Kathy Hochul and the Democratic leaders of the Assembly and the State Senate. Eric Adams is saying the right things. He now has to go right to the end and pull the trigger. Uh, Peter, as always, you're not good. You're great. You really are. Love having you on every Wednesday. And, and thank you so much for another terrific appearance. Enjoy the day. We'll talk again very soon. You're the man. Okay, Sid. Take care of yourself, buddy. You Bye. too. There he is, a great congressman, great New Yorker, great American patriot, and dear friend of the Rosenberg family, Peter King. Got a big 9 o'clock hour still to come your way. Very famous attorney, Alan Dershowitz. He was on with me, Katz and Eaton yesterday. He'll join us coming up next. The writer, creator, director, and star of Gravesend, William DeMeo. And we'll play Sid's Day, a very exciting fourth and final 9 o'clock hour right here on the Nielsen-rated number one news talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. We are Sid and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Well, look, my wife has a rule in our family. On somebody's birthday, sing happy birthday. You ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear. <laughs> Come on. Happy birthday to you. What do you mean? Thought was in the right place. Come on, Lou. <laughs> Happy birthday uh, 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 to Sidney <laughs> He's had a rough couple of days. He forgot. He's a relative of Martin Luther King. He couldn't pronounce. Tanya Jackson's name. He forgot about Clay Thompson for the Warriors at the White House yesterday. He's just, he's really a people, he's a mess. There's no other way to put it. I'm Every, sorry. Everybody, you say hi to my wife, uh, <laughs> Sherry. Uh, you know, no, it's, you it's know Jill. The yeah, Jill. Yeah, Jill. Yeah. You know her <laughs> yeah. there. Hey, before we get to the brilliant Alan Dershowitz, who was on with me and John and Craig Eaton last night, so, Good Morning America is the latest to carry my George Santos interview from three years ago. Over three million tweets, three million, just about every network in the world has had it. And moments ago, Good Morning America, Sid Rosenberg and George Santos, and it sounded something like this. Get fired away, Lou. Congressman George Santos is accused of fabricating almost every single detail of his life. But for now, House Republican leadership is treating him just like any other member of Congress. This morning, George Santos, the New York congressman accused of defrauding voters, has landed on two House committees. All committees that he'll get seated on. Republican leadership standing by the freshman lawmaker as he faces multiple investigations. He's already admitted to lying about being a college graduate. Did you graduate from Baruch? Yeah. Did you graduate from there? Yeah. So did I. I did. I did. 
Santos never graduated from any college, but he still told voters he went to Baruch on a volleyball scholarship, claiming to be a star player in a newly surfaced radio interview. I look, I sacrificed both my knees and got very nice uh, knee replacements from playing volleyball. That's how serious I took the game. None of that was true. None of that was true. A newly surfaced radio interview. That was me, wow. folks, three years ago. But, uh, Phil, you tell me that while, of course, Robin Roberts and Strahan and Seven Opus would never mention my name, like Joe and Mika didn't do a couple of days ago, they did at least have my picture, the name of the show, and all that. Oh, good morning, America. Yes. Well, I actually, looking back, they didn't have like a graphic of the show. It was just George Santos's face and in text it said, uh, Sitting Friends in the Morning. It did say Sitting 77 Friends. 77 WABC. Yeah. Okay, we'll take it. We'll Sitting Friends in the Morning, good 77 will... WABC, Good Morning America. That's a big deal. Yeah, they will never say your name. It's like saying Satan. I know, name. it's funny. <laughs> the, the, you know, the, like Fox News says my name, but Joe and Mika, Good Morning America, it says host. George Host. Recently surfaced radio interview. I know, please. It's three years old. Give credit. Um, <laughs> yeah. My friend Ralph Napolitano texted me this. Santos has to resign for lying about his life story. But Adam Schiff, who lied about Russia collusion and January 6th, how come he's not in trouble? Maybe Alan Dershowitz has the answer for that. Here he is, one of the, and I mean this, one of the greatest attorneys ever, a brilliant man, and a friend of Israel, and my friend, Alan Dershowitz. Good morning, Alan. Good morning. You remember on the cat show yesterday, they implied that Governor Shapiro may become the first Jewish president ever. And I said, what do you mean there's already a Jewish president? George Santos. <laughs> I know, I read it on his resume. He's Jewish. And he's in the White House. That's right. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's very funny. And, yes, I was on the cat show yesterday with John and Craig Eaton when you made that comment. I've been doing double duty these days, Alan, doing the morning show <laughs> and the afternoon show. Thank you. Uh, that's, that's very funny. And, and who knows? Maybe George Santos did imply that somewhere down the road years ago. But on a serious note, this whole George Santos thing, before we get to Joe Biden and the documents, in terms of illegal lying about all this stuff, I'm not sure that's the issue, but certainly the money, that $700,000, how did he get that? Where did that go? That becomes a point of legal contention for Santos, yes? Look, this is always the nose, the camel's nose under the tent. Uh, the the uh, making available these uh, classified material um, opened up an investigation, and it, you know, it then went to uh, Hunter Biden, the lease in his house, um, and, and we're going to see more and more. I have a prediction. I have a prediction we'll also see former presidents having had classified material in their possession wrongly, too. I think it's an endemic thing. I think that every president and vice president takes stuff with him. And that's why the law has to change. Uh, on January 19th, they have to close down the White House, basically, send in the archivists. The leaving president can't take anything. Everything has to be filtered through the archivists. Not a single piece of paper should be taken out of the White House by the leaving president. We, we've, we've had too much experience with it. It's a disaster. It's a mess. It's not deliberate. Nobody is trying to sell it to China or Russia. They're just either careless, sloppy, or maybe they want to take a few papers home with them as souvenirs or to help them write their memoir. Yeah. But we ought to change the law. Look, you, you and I both agree that at the end of the day, Donald Trump and Joe Biden, neither one of these guys are going to get in any real trouble for this whole document story. 
But you have to admit, Alan, that once again, the media, I mean, and not just the media, the DOJ, the FBI, they went into Trump's house like he was Pablo Escobar. They had SWAT teams and guns and yeah. went into Melania's drawers. With Joe Biden, it's kind of like ho-hum. You cannot deny that. There's no doubt about that. They applied a double standard. And the Justice Department said, we're not getting involved in the search. We'll leave it to his own private lawyers. <laughs> the Justice Department got involved in 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 um, in Trump. Uh, they they uh, allowed the issuance of a search warrant, even though Garland has said that search warrants are to be issued only in extraordinary cases. That was the beginning. That was the first mistake. If they hadn't issued a search warrant against Trump, I don't think anybody would be making a big deal of a few documents that were found near his car at his garage. So I think it's tit for tat politics. And it starts with the Democrats. And you uh, are on record many times on this show, and again with me and Katz yesterday, saying the impeachment. You're not a big fan of that. I mean, the Democrats looked for every opportunity to impeach Donald Trump, and we know all of it was nonsense, all of it. And you would rather see the Republicans not do the same thing here. Oh, yeah. No, the Republicans are making the same mistake. They're going after Mayorkas. I don't like what Mayorkas is doing on the southern border. Uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy is right to say that he is— kind of abused his office, but that's not an impeachable offense. You know, the very same Republicans that applauded me on the floor of the Senate for saying that abuse of power is not an impeachable offense, it has to be treason, bribery, other high crimes and misdemeanors, the very same Republicans, Kevin McCarthy, are now saying, oh, you don't need crimes, you don't need uh, misdemeanors, all you need is abuse of office or dereliction of duty. And the Democrats who insisted that it was okay to prosecute, to impeach Trump based on vague criteria like abuse of power. Then I say, oh, no, no, you need high crimes and misdemeanors. Everybody is switching. Everybody is failing the shoe on the other foot test. And the motto on top of Congress should be, we're hypocrites. I'll tell you what, though, we had this discussion yesterday, and I got to give Judge Weinberger credit. He was on the phone, not in the studio yeah. with me, John, and Craig. And he said, but wait a second, Alan. You know, Mayorkas is on record. I've got audio more than once. Yeah telling us the border is secure. There are no issues. Yeah. It's closed. It is wide open. It is not secure. There are all kinds of issues. To his point, at that point, that does become an impeachable offense, no? If it's, if it's perjury, if it's technical perjury, if he didn't make a mistake, it was just a matter of opinion. But if it was actual perjury, perjury is an impeachable offense. It's the paradigm of other high crimes and misdemeanors. So let's see what plays out. But just based on not doing a good job at the border, that's just not enough to impeach. What about all these kids that are dying in this country, day in and day out, from the fentanyl, Alan Dershowitz, that comes across this border that Mallorca's claims is closed? Well, that's a good reason for voting against the person who appointed them. But, you know, it's hard to find a crime in that. Uh, you can find a moral sin. You can find all kinds of things wrong. But if you have to look to the statute books and say, what is it? What's the actual crime? Or is it behavior that is so close to crime that it fits the constitutional criteria of other high crimes and misdemeanors? Remember the word other uh, relates to the words treason and bribery. So it has to be criminal behavior akin to treason and bribery. When I made that argument on the floor of the Senate, virtually every academic in America, every professor attacked me saying I was wrong. Now they're all going to say I'm right when it comes to Mayorkas, because professors are also a bunch of hypocrites, most of them, or at least many of them. They're, whatever helps the Democrats, that's constitutional. Whatever hurts the Republicans, that's constitutional. 
I was talking to a buddy of mine who's in uh, TV and politics yesterday, and he said he expects Alan Dershowitz that Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, will announce he's going to run for president sometime in March, and that Ron is kind of sitting back and watching what happens with Trump in terms of his legal issues to see if Trump can actually still run. And yeah. there are two things out there that I think people, Trump supporters, are nervous about. Not the Mar-a-Lago stuff, but January 6th and the case down in Georgia. What are your thoughts yeah. on those? Well, first of all, I had dinner with uh, DeSantis and his wife and just another couple and my wife shortly after he was elected governor. And I was really impressed. You know, he we went to Harvard. He went to Yale. He talked about the environment. He uh, uh, about now, unlike and, George Santos, he really did go to Harvard and Yale. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, he really did have dinner with me. So if he ever <laughs> says that, it's absolutely true. Right. Uh, and look, I think the president has something to worry about because he's the subject of all of these investigations. But in the end, January 6th will not become a criminal case because the, the speech itself was constitutionally protected. He said he wanted people to protest peacefully and patriotically. Then the call. The call has two possible interpretations. Find me 12,000 votes. Find could mean discover votes that are actually cast. Look hard. See if there are votes. That's innocent. Or it could mean make up 12,000 votes, which obviously would be guilty. But when you have a statement like that, it's on tape, which is subject to two equally plausible interpretations. There's a rule in criminal law called lenity, L-E-N-I-T-Y, that says you must interpret it in the way more consistent with innocence than guilt. So I think he's safe on both of these. You know, one more about Trump. Uh, he was very angry a couple of months, last month, and uh, over the whole election fraud and all that. And he, he talked about ripping up the Constitution. And I know what he meant, and so do you. We didn't really mean that. But as a constitutional lawyer, I know a lot of folks that were really, really upset about that. Knowing what he meant, he just didn't say it. What are your thoughts on yeah. moving forward about election fraud and what Donald Trump did say last month? Well, what he did say is exactly what uh, hard left Democrats are saying. Oh, the Constitution is not as important as achieving the right results. The hard left is saying that. They're saying ignore the Constitution. They're saying pack the courts. They're saying have age limits or term limits for uh, justices just because they want to get their way. So, you know, both sides are weaponizing the Constitution, using it when it helps them and ignoring it when it hurts them. And it's wrong in both instances. Look, the reason I don't have that many friends is I attack the right and the left <laughs> right. with equal fervor, it's and true. I don't choose sides. Yeah. No, it is true. You do do that, and that's why I actually love you, but I'm sure most people uh, don't yeah. like that. You're right. Uh, so in the end, let's wrap this up, put this a nice little bow on this, Alan Dershowitz. It's always an honor having you on the program. Uh, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, uh, do you expect, with all these things out there, Biden documents, Trump, January 6th, Georgia, do you expect that one of them, both of them, or neither of them ends up in real legal trouble over the next 6 to 12 months? I don't think either of them ends up in legal trouble. I think they both end up losing some supporters in the center uh, who don't like what they did. A lot of Trump supporters didn't like the January 6th speech. A lot of Biden supporters don't like what's going on at the border. And But when it comes to you know casting a ballot uh, two years from now, uh, we're going to see. Uh, I think it's going to be Trump versus Biden. Uh, oh, I think Biden is going to run only because his people are telling him he's the only Democrat. Who can beat who can beat Trump? If Trump doesn't run, if DeSantis runs, then I don't think Biden runs. I think he then gets uh, a younger person to to go against DeSantis. So I think there's a long way between now 
although it's a very short period of time, it's only a year. And a year from now, we will basically be in the heart of the presidential campaign. It's impossible to know right now who the candidates are going to be. And by the way, one quick thing on the way out. I'm sorry, one more 30 seconds. Sure. How do you take the guy that was uh, got into hot water and, and uh, in trouble here at the Trump Organization, how do you put that old Jewish guy in Rikers Island? Can you explain that to me? <laughs> uh, okay, that's horrible. Nobody should go to Rikers Island. Certainly nobody that person's age should go to Rikers Island. Uh, you know, Rikers Island is a place where people get raped and killed and extorted. Uh, it, it should be closed down. Nobody should go there. And, you know, prosecutors use it. I'm going to send you to Rikers Island unless you cooperate. And here you have a guy who cooperated in the sending to Rikers Island. That's just not the right thing. Alan, as always, thank you so much. You're brilliant. You're great. You know I love you. Please keep coming back. Thank you. Anytime. Thanks. I love your show. Thank you. Alan Dershowitz. How about that? I love your show. Hey, make sure you get that, Justin. I've never heard Alan Dershowitz say that. How about that? What a day for me. Good morning, America. <laughs> and Alan Dershowitz. <laughs> Scallops and risotto all around. It all started at Doc's last night with scallops and risotto. (laughs) The acting career has taken off. February 13th will be the screening for the movie I shot in Los Angeles last year about that bar in Brooklyn Gemini Lounge. And now, just yesterday, season two, the trailer for Gravesend dropped two. It's going to be amazing. Season two, Willie DeMeo added all this talent. Chaz Palminteri, Vinny Pistori, Armand DeSante, Sid Rosenberg, the man himself, Willie DeMeo, talking Gravesend. My very first ever acting opportunity. He's coming up next. Yeah. 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Honey, boogie, boogie, boogie. This is the type of music you'd hear during Gravesend. Of course, it's a mid-1980s mob show. Had a terrific four-episode season one on Amazon Prime and about to drop um, season two. Liz Pipko just texted me back. You can check out the picture of Liz on my Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney. She was on this morning doing a great job with educating kids about the Holocaust. But she's very close with Larry Trump, and she said... Hey, I heard you say that the president, Donald Trump, was coming on tomorrow. And I said, I did say that. Uh, Joe Tacopina put me in contact with Steve Chung and Boris Epstein, all the Trump people. And I've been told 10 times by both guys, including text last night, that the president would be on sometime this week. But they have yet to confirm the day and time. So Liz just texted Lara Trump and said, uh, tell those guys over there that, uh, you know, for the president's office, they get their act together because uh, he's got to go on with Sid. So now I got Takapina and Pipko on the case. 
Pipco don't take no no grub. You know that. Wow. I bold, bulldogs. Are I know bulldogs. Yeah. So Whoa. Trump will be. He'll be on Trump. It'll either be tomorrow or Friday, but maybe early next week. But the president will be on. You know, I love them both, Sid. I listen. <laughs> I'm there. You know, they're terrific. They're absolutely terrific. Uh, I'm there. You know, I love you. <laughs> well, we'll see how much you love me. Uh, we'll talk to President Trump sometime over the next couple of days. But again, uh, the acting career, Gemini Lounge, the screening February the 13th. But my first shot at acting was because of a uh, William DeMeo. I love Willie DeMeo. He is the writer, director, producer, and star of Gravesend. They dropped the trailer yesterday. It looks great. All my really good buddies, Peter Gordio, Chris Momondo, they're in it. But then, of course, some real big names that Willie added to season two. Chaz Palminteri and Armand DeSante, Paul Ben Victor, Vinny Pastore. I know I'm missing a whole bunch, but nevertheless, the trailer is out, and that means that the uh, season two should be not far behind it. Here he is, the genius behind Gravesend, and the man that gave me my first acting opportunity, my dear friend, William DeMeo. Willie, good morning, pal. How are you? Good morning, buddy. Great to speak to you. And uh, genius, thank you for saying that, pal. It's, uh, it's been a great ride with such great people that make make me a genius by having such pe- great people like yourself and a great cast and great people supporting this show. It's a, it's a complete team effort. It is, and everybody does a great job. But you're the guy, you write it, direct it, produce it, you star in it. And I got to tell you, Willie, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I get asked almost every day, almost every day, when is season two coming out? I love season one. I follow you on Instagram. I see all these pictures, Sid. You're with Dice. You're with Chance. You're with Willie. You're with Peter. And I say, soon. So now that the trailer came out yesterday and it looks amazing, any real uh, notes on when this thing is actually coming out? Yes, uh, this we're, the, the final pro- um, process right now is just we're putting together an amazing soundtrack with songs that are just like beyond insane, the soundtrack we're going to have in the show, which, is, which has been a, sl- a little bit of a slight delay on, the, on, on when it was, because we were supposed to get this out in February, but getting the rights to all this music, the licensing and everything is 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 in the process and just about almost complete with all post-production. We already have, you know, platforms, which we'll be announcing. It's going to be all over the place. Um, and it's coming out this spring for sure. Uh, looks like between like right around April 1 to May 1, we're just getting the window of when exactly it's going to stream. Uh, we'll make the announcement where it's going to stream uh, very shortly, we're going to have a very big premiere in New York, which I know you'll be at and can't wait to have you at. Um, and then doing a major press run. Uh, we want this thing to do. We really feel that it's time for, I think people have been waiting a long time. We lost a year because of the pandemic, which was unfortunate. But uh, we, we, I wanted to make sure that this came out a certain way. I always get people, oh, why is it, why is it out, why is it out? You know, it's not an easy task to do something independently. We did this ourselves um, uh, and put together an amazing project. It's it's nine full episodes that are, you know, it's like doing four movies. If you really, you know what it's like now that you've been doing yep. it. You know, how, you know how hard it is to finish one movie. Yep. Yep. We did four movies. This is four movies. These episodes are, you know, 45 minutes to 55 minutes long, some of them. Uh and it's very powerful, buddy. I mean, you know, we're repped by the biggest agency you can you can ask for, CAA. I mean, you don't get a, a, a deal with a great agency like CAA unless you know you have something that's that's 
done very well. Um, and, and I'm very, very blessed to have such great people supporting this like yourself. Now, listen, I'm, I'm a Brooklyn kid. I never forgot my roots. Whether I lived in Manhattan, which I do now, or Queens, where I really live, or Tenafly, New Jersey, or Boca Raton, Florida, I'm a Brooklyn kid. And uh, especially the 70s and 80s growing up in Brooklyn, that was my whole life. And you know, taping uh, all these episodes for me with Andrew Dice Clay and you and Victor Benedetto and, and others and places like the Garage Clothing Store, my dear friend Anthony, Michael's Restaurant on Nostrand Avenue, and even going down to Sunny Isles in Florida and taping all those episodes with you and Andrew Dice Clay, that was my childhood. And I remember those families, as does Rudy Giuliani in the mid-1980s in New York, and it was such a big, big deal, the mob and all that stuff. And you do an amazing job, Willie, uh, really capturing that time, what the mob meant to Brooklyn and Miami and New York with the music and the clothing and the you know, obviously the storylines. I have to say, and I mean this, you do an amazing job bringing 1985 back to life. Thank you, buddy. I, I really appreciate that. And you know, th- those are great locations and great people. I can't say enough great things about all those locations. Like you just mentioned, Anthony from the garage, um, dear friend of mine who helped also dress. You know, the, almost all cast has garage clothing, as you know, and you wear <laughs> yourself. Um, you know, it's right in there, the double-breasted suits and everything. Um, it, that that was great. And, you know, Michael's and Spumoni Gardens and John's Deli. And we could go on and on. And our friends at Brennan and Carr, um, Michael Sullivan. Like, we, we have the, the, the best locations and in, in, in the nostalgia of Brooklyn. Um, it was a great time to grow up, and it was a you know we were all proud of our neighborhood. Like you said, Brooklyn is a brand, buddy. That's why I have the clothing brand Brooklyn. I mean, wherever you go, you meet someone from Brooklyn wherever you go. Almost at one point, someone lived in Brooklyn. All the great people are from Brooklyn. There's no question about it. And I have to tell you, the very last episode that we taped at the end of season two on your block, on your block right there in Brooklyn, uh, where we lit up all those fireworks, the big July 4th celebration, you actually had my wife, Danielle, my beautiful wife, and my son, Gabriel, in the scene. Gabriel grabs the firecrackers from Bo Deedle and throws it on top of the big stack. So he's going to be in one of the episodes as well. well that was that night on your block, that block party filming the last episode, Willie, that was outrageous. Oh, yeah. It was something I'll always remember. And it was just like we did because we used to do that every 4th of July. It was great to relive that. You know, you, you know what the 4th of July is always like. Yep. So you couldn't even drive. How, how, how many great – the firework displays were everywhere. The yep. streets were filled. It was, it was just insane. It was just a great – place to grow up i mean and that's what this show is about it's not just about the mob i mean the mob is a very big influence in the show but it's about a neighborhood you know buddy you walk 10 blocks and you'd say hello to 100 people i always say it it was the best it was the best way to grow up i i would i wouldn't change it for anything and and uh I think we really we really show Brooklyn in a great light in this, and, and I'm, I'm very excited to get this out there very soon. On the way out, Willie, I mentioned a bunch of the new actors you added for season two, not including me because I'm new at this. I'm a major star in New York, but I'm new at this. Uh, you know, Chaz and Vinny Pastore and Armand DeSante and Paul Ben-Victor, Fran Drescher, of course, who plays the nanny. She's in this. Any other names you want to mention that I might have left out for season two? Yeah, well, um, you, um, 
Gina Gershon. Gina Gershon, of course, is in the Sophia Milos, who's amazing Beautiful, in the show. Yeah. And, and, and I got to give you, Sid, I know that this was the beginning for you, but I got to tell you, you got a career, pal. I mean, you held your own with everyone. I mean, uh, you got to see, wait till you see your scenes. You, you, you really have a great screen presence. And, and you. you're very natural, and and you can't, you know, you, the Brooklyn is in you, you know. <laughs> for a character like this, you did a great job. Thank um, you, you really you. held your own with everyone, you, and and everyone, you know, you know what's great is that everyone, and you, well, we did forget to mention also Martin Cove, who's on one of the greatest shows right now called Cobra Kai. He's another great. He plays one of the Jewish guys in the show. Him and his son Jesse Mario Cantone who's amazing in yes. the show. I mean, we, yep. we, the, the list goes on, but, um, it, it was just, it was just such a great experience to work. Everyone came to play. That's the best thing is like, you know, you got Chaz Palminteri, you sitting right across from me in scenes and, and every scene he's in, he like the, everyone showed up to work. Like this was not a, this was not a Hollywood production where people are coming there. Just everyone came to work. And to and to give give us their all, and and that's what's the best part of this is is that all these name actors, you know, from Amanda Sante to William Forsythe, I mean, everyone was so focused on making a great product, and and that's what was so great about it. it was It was like being around family. Yeah, you didn't was. feel like you were on a Hollywood set with nope. all. You know, you didn't have. It, it felt so great, and I. That's what I appreciate is all these actors really, really. Did a great job. Wait, I can't wait till people see it. And then the premiere, like we have, we're going to show those first two episodes soon. Have a really big premiere, and uh, I'm grateful again for everyone and for always you getting me on here. And your show is blowing up like there's no tomorrow. I mean, <laughs> I mean, who doesn't know? Who doesn't listen to the show in the morning? I mean, oh, you. you really went. You know, from the first time I went on this, which to, to now, I mean, my God. God bless you, buddy. You. You're just going, the sky's the limit for you, even in radio, man. Well, it's thank amazing. You. Thank you, Willie. And I remember uh, the first time Larry Moyan mentioned you to me in that first conversation outside of Madison Square Garden. And the first time you came in and met me in Bernie, and you said, you know, you got the look, kid. You can try this. And uh, it turned out great. And uh, what could I say? You know, you are family at this point. You and Peter Gordio and Chris Marmondo. Uh, you guys are all really family to me above and beyond the, the show. So I'm uh, really happy for you. Uh, the treadle looks amazing. I know the season's going to be great. Bo Deedle's very excited about it, too. He's tremendous in this. Continued success, and uh, we're going to party the next couple of months Thank while you, Gravesend Thank kicks in. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for having me on again. Appreciate all the support, as always. Have a great day, and God bless, pal. You too. Congratulations, Willie. That's an excellent job. William DeMeo, right there, the writer, creator, director, producer, and star of Gravesend. And if you love Brooklyn, and you love the music, and the places, and the people, and the periphery, which is the mob, and all that great stuff between 1980 and 1990, you're going to love this show. I promise you. You're going to love this show. Boy. Now, it's time for Sid's Take. Shut up. Uh, shut up. I have to thank uh, Frank. Shut up, Frank Siller. Oh, yeah. He's quiet. Sponsors everything, damn it. Uh, thank you to Frank Siller. Make sure you're listening every Wednesday for the Tunnel to Towers update. And... Also, thank you to Arthur Idala, who just texted me. So proud of you, Brooklyn boy. Keep kicking ass. Game time! Here's Dustin Ellick. Oh, what? Oh, hey. Hi, good morning. Dustin Ellick. 
<laughs> not yet. <laughs> Sorry, Joseph Abu just sent me a really important text message. Really beautiful text message. Yeah. I had to get back. What do you say? Go birds? Yeah. No, I had to get back to Joseph Abu. So yeah, that's why you got the 10 seconds of dead air there. My, my bad. Sorry. I don't know just, what to tell you. Just got this text. Yeah. Hang <laughs> yeah, hang on. Hey, I'm in a movie. Hang yeah, on. Yeah, hang on. Everything everything else can wait. <laughs> My job can <laughs> Yeah. Stop. All right. It is time for the Sid State game. Another uh, another edition here. Witchy Wednesday. I am Justin Alec, your host for the game. Again, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers, Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. You got to get over to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. Because they're America's best-built boilers, our contestant for today, Keith. Yeah. He's out in Middletown, New York. What's going on, Keith? Good morning, you all. You sure that Sid and not Imus, though? It sounds a lot like Imus. Uh, yeah, from time to time. Only on one, only on a Wednesday morning, though, Keith. So, you know. I'll buy that. Yeah. yeah so exactly. angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait. It yeah. gets better. Just wait. It gets way better. Yeah, yeah it gets way. We, we've only scratched <laughs> the surface, Keith, you know. All right. Um, yeah, unfortunately. Listen, I wish we could chat more, but we're running short on time, Keith. we got to dive in, okay? It's Witchy Wednesday. I'll give you five questions regarding, uh, you know, horror movie trivia and uh, maybe some nonfiction serial killer type stuff. You think you're ready to go? Uh, not at all, but I'll do my best. All right. Uh, number one. Here we go. Here's Johnny is a famous quote from which film? That would be The Shining. Thank you. Ah, very nice. Keith, one for one. Number two, which serial killer known as the Killer Clown murdered at least 33 young boys and was pictured shaking Nancy Reagan's hand six years after he killed his first victim? Oh, my. Oh. I, John Wayne Gacy. I have no idea. Pulled that one out of a hat, no? This is one heck of a guess for somebody who has no idea. Oh, my God. Keith. Somebody has no idea. Very impressive. Two for two. Number three. It, in the horror movie series Scream, what is the name of the franchise's killer? Oh, that one I don't know. What the oh, hell is that right. guy's name? Well, if you don't know, you don't know. But I'll tell you right now, the correct answer there is Ghostface. Ghostface killer. Oh. All right, two for three. Let's yeah, get back on track here. Yeah, what? What, Phil? Are you Ghost saying? Ghostface Killer is a rapper from I know, I know. Where do you think he got the name? Number four, two oh, for three. <laughs> what oh, my God. Stop it, Phil. What That's is, where that? it's from? <laughs> Phil, <laughs> go to your room. We gotta go. Phil. <laughs> Thank you, Keith. Oh, my God, Keith. Here we go, Keith. What is the name of the cartoon Great Dane that solves cases riding around in the mystery machine? Uh, it's Scooby Dooby Doo. Oh, very good. Three for four. On to number five. You got a multiple choice one here. What is the name of the survival horror video game franchise in which you are hunted by animatronic mascots through security cameras? Is it A, Four Evenings at Frank's, B, Five Nights at Freddy's, C, Six Days at Sammy's? Give it to Mickey. You just made all that up. No, I didn't. Might as well. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Keith. Come on. Keith. A, B, or C, Keith. One. Two. Uh, yeah, he's not there. Oh, we lost him. I think we lost him. Well, perfect timing. Perfect timing. He's going to give that a loss. He had no idea. He, Anyways. he could have guessed. Did he, just, one or three. did he just hang up? No, someone just switched our phone lines. Oh, that's great. Oh, okay, really good. good idea. Nice. Who did that? During a live 
How would I know? I'm sitting right in front of you. Switched well, our phone I can see lines. the phones have a different number now. The lines changed. Well, why would that happen right oh, now, yes, Phil? They switched. Uh, I think Kevin Drosch is playing. Why, why would somebody do that right in the middle of our see, game? Right, I can see Kevin Drosch actually playing let's around with the phones with right Sam. now. Let's go. All right, right here we go, Sydney. Drosch got a haircut. Yeah, he did. Big. He's got a really nice. He's got a really nice mustache. You got a haircut too, Sid. He look. He actually now looks like one of these serial killers. He that does. We, uh, he that, does. That, that he might does. Be featured in today's yeah. game. There's no way Cindy Adams lets him in her apartment. No, 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 no. No. You ready? Are you ready for today's game? I don't even remember how much this guy got. What did he go? Three for five. He went. Well, he the got last one. one. He got no, two. he got two. Scratch off the no, last no, one. No, he went three for five. He got three. Yeah. yeah okay. All right. Let's go. Here we go. Number one. Here's Johnny. Shiny. Famous. Spectacular. Phil made me say it like. By the way, you happen to be a very good little method actor yourself. We do these. Skits and both you and Phil are really exceptional in these things. Both yeah. of you. Thank you. You're very talented kids. Well, I used to take classes. Kid. No, you didn't take any class. We well, stopped. The kids at George Santos. They're everywhere. They're just everywhere. I used to take classes. Sure, you did. I know. Right. I, know right. Right. I took classes. Too. I'm a literal. I'm a literal <laughs> trained. Class. I'm a literally English a trained class. comedian. You're a trained comedian or thespian. studies. Yes. Will you shut up, Phil? God, I didn't realize you guys were still talking. I mean, it's like you're like an ant. You're like a like a bug. You're like a gnat. Let's go. go. All right, number two, one for one. Which serial killer, known as the Killer Clown, murdered at least thirty three young boys and was pictured shaking Nancy Reagan's hand six years after he killed his first victim? That's a true story. Oh, and he stored them in the bottom of his house in Chicago, Illinois, and he dressed as a clown, and his name is John Wayne Gacy. I think. Very nice. He knew him personally. Well, I wouldn't say it's very nice. Two for two. Justin, we're talking about uh, 33 kids <laughs> no. here. Number three in the horror movie series Scream, what is the name of the franchise's killer? The killer? The killer. Because I know Nev Campbell played Sydney. Hello, Hello Sydney. Hello, Sydney. Hello, Sydney. I used to play that on my old shows in Miami. Okay, but who says it? The killer is actually... <laughs> Oh, my God. It is with that face. It's got the face. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He does have a face. Very uh, good. It had the mask on. The it mask. Uh, and the mask. The oh, face yeah. and the mask. It's, it's not uh, a real face. It's, it's a mask. Right there. Had yeah. the pants on. I got, yeah. I got it. Huh? Frankie Diaz. <laughs> 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 That's probably what he's That's doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Damn, Every, everybody off. Everybody uh, off the court. Everybody I, off the court. I got to leave. Two for three. What was the name of the guy? Ghostface. Ghostface, yeah. What is the name of the cartoon Great Dane that solves cases riding around in the mystery machine? Scooby-Doo. Ah, nah, nah, very good. Three for four, on to number five, multiple choice here. By what the it? way, who was the voice of uh, Shaggy? That was so close. Oh. Come on. Um, Every time a story about a damn dog. John oh, oh it was, uh, yes, the top 40, uh, Casey Case. Very good, yes. All right, number five, multiple choice, here we go. <laughs> what is the name of the survival horror video game franchise in which you are hunted by animatronic mascots through security cameras? Is it A, Four Evenings at Frank's? B, five nights at Freddy's. C, six days at Sammy's. Freddy's? Freddy's house? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, why not? Uh, Or is it going to be a Jubilee at Justice? I don't even know what you said. I don't even know what... I mean, All right, we'll come back and wrap things up. (laughs) Well done again, Macedonia, Phil, and Justin Ellick. We'll wrap it up right after this. Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC.
That was a lot of fun. Psychedelic Furs, great song. Everybody was terrific today. Ron and Santa, Elizabeth Pipko, Peter King, Alan Dershowitz, William DeMeo. Everybody for Gravesend and Gemini Lounge. Lou Rapino, tremendous as always. What can I say? Best ever. Great job by Macedonia Phil and uh, Justin Ellick and Noam Layden. Another uh, outstanding performance. Thank you, Noam. We'll all be back again, God willing, tomorrow. Big show. You got the judge. You got Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly will answer Howard Stern, who called him out for his appearance on this show just yesterday. Plus one or two surprise names along the way. You'll keep it right here, folks. I'll be back later on this afternoon with the Catsman, my man John Katzmatidis at 5. Until then, enjoy your 50-plus degree sunny day in New York City. From all of us to all of you, New York, 